stop. Uncle Radio, we are here. We are on the air. We are live. We are in the house, and the house is packed. We want to thank everybody for joining us today. Okay, Google, stop. We got a lot going on. We got a whole lot to talk about. So we want to jump right into it. We appreciate everybody that's watching. Make sure if you're watching, go ahead and share this joint. Um, the usual, we want to keep y'all in the comments. If y'all got questions, anything y'all want to talk about, anything that y'all want to ask, you know, y'all got us. Um, so we'll start with the first topic, of course. Um, we'll keep it light. Before we get started, though, we want to introduce um, our first guest. What up, Mr. Fullerton? Uh, we want to introduce our first guest, Mr. Jamal Williams. What's up? What's up? Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you for coming. At such, such short notice. I, was, I said I was looking for a black conservative. Well, that's just conservative period to come on. Yeah. And, and you know, you was brave enough to, to, to accept the invitation, <laughs> man. So we really appreciate you coming. No um, problem. You know, we here at Uncouth, you know, it's kind of how we end up having Ron on the show. Like, we enjoy different views. You know what I mean? And I, my thing is, and like Quincy's the same way, we don't want to be in an echo chamber. You know what I mean? Just things that we agree with, people we agree with, and just hearing one side, one point of view. I mean, that's kind of my issue with mainstream media overall. Like, it's either all the way one side, and you're not going to say anything bad about the conservative side, or it's all the way to the to the left, and you're not going to say anything bad about the left. And I, I think there's room for nuance, and I think we need to have more contextual conversations. Like, you can say... Oh, I support Barack Obama, but I have issues with this and can criticize him. You should be able to say, I don't like Trump. I do like that his bill did this, that, and the third. You know what I mean? Like, I think we should be able to have more contextual, nuanced conversations. But um, as we always say, though, Trump is a different kind of beast. So it's kind of hard to have regular political conversations in regards to Trump. I think that's why it gets so divisive because I don't think... And, you know, we'll get more into it as the show goes. But I don't think when you're having conversations about Trump, I don't think it's really, really at the bottom, the core of it about policy anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's more, it's like a more of an existential, like we in an existential crisis right now. So I think that's where a lot of the anxiety is coming from when people have these conversations. But, you know, we're going to start with lighter fare, if you call it that, before we get into that. Um, Marshawn Lynch. Mm. <laughs> you got a man here? What, 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 what Marshawn Lynch I was on TMZ He was accused of being sexist Because he was talking to a, a kid At his football camp I guess he cursed at him While the kid was in a drill Told him get the fuck out of my drill And once he cursed at him in the drill The mother came She had a problem with it And she wanted to have a conversation with him about it And before he engaged in a conversation with her He asked Uh is your husband here or is, is there a man present? And I think it's so interesting to watch on Facebook the different facades and the different sides to this argument because a lot of women took it as, like, yes, he's been very sexist. Why can't she talk to me one-on-one? But a lot of men were trying to explain, especially in a sport like football that's brutal like that, if, if me and you going to have a conversation, like we might get into it, right. I'm going to ask their man there for so me and him can have a conversation. Correct. And I think... Culturally, she probably didn't understand that one because I think she was white. Right. Um, so I think culturally, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. So culturally, I don't think she would really understand that. But like, I, I saw one woman say, she said, if my husband is there, he's not going to let me argue with a man. Correct. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, and if I'm there, I'm not going to let my husband argue with a woman. Right. You know, so I think that's more where it's coming from. But it has been twisted to this, you know, he's sexist and don't think he has to respect women and talk to them. And I don't think it was that at all. I think we go too far with that shit sometimes. Right. Um, 
What you think? What are, what are your thoughts, Quincy? No, I, I, I think you you know it. Uh, especially when when it comes to a sport like, a sport like football, and you gotta understand how where Marshawn comes from. Marshawn is type okay. like he probably know. Look, I know how I am, and me how how I talk normal. It could completely look aggressive towards you. Right. So let me go and talk to a man. So if I have this conversation and there's a disagreement, I won't look as aggressive. So do you have a man with you? Because you gotta understand, Marshawn is a, is a little different, right? You know, so he he already know, and and, and he's been around enough. He's been scrutinized enough. Right. He understand. He he understand his self awareness. Right. So before we even get deep into this. Do you have a man? Because I already know what it's going to look like. Right. And how I am about talking about this football right. stuff, it's not going to look right with me going back and forth with you. Right. So do you I have think, a man? With I you? think it's okay. It's also okay for um, there to be things that, you know, men talk to men about and women talk to only women about. I don't think that, you know, sometimes, especially when, you know, it's things involving playing sports and different things, playing football in particular, that. Perhaps, you know, you might not understand how a coach is talking to your son or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's okay to say, it's okay to make make that distinction. Everything is not for everybody. And everything everything is not for every gender. Uh, and, and I would say this. Growing up without, without a, a father, there's a lot of times I wish I had a man there to speak to my coaches for me than my right. mom. Right. Because I think that would have made a big difference in my development as an athlete. Etc. And I remember a, a personal situation just with my son playing football. Uh, Isaiah got hit. He got blindsided. He was out. And there's a protocol, of course, Pop Warner, that they have to go to the sideline and you know do right. the crunch yeah. protocol. So his mom is out there, and the coach goes over there. On the field, on the sideline, now nah, player, yeah. the, he ain't about to go out there until he gets checked out. Right. Hey, what the hell? We don't get concussions. Just the hell <laughs> now, we now, do. Now, I'm already off the team halfway, yeah. so I'm glad. So, 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 so and at this point, we on the sideline. So, you know, they want parents to be like, no, nah, you right. ain't about to throw my son out there like I that. Know. And I think that, you know, his mom was like, she was kind of like, well, I don't know. Are you? She asked Isaiah, are you okay? It don't matter. Yeah. If he's if he say he's okay, until this trainer, the doctor, this person exactly. say he's clear, he's not going back out there. Period. And so I thought my presence kind of made Kyle's like, "The fuck you mean? We don't get concussions in football, right? That's not how we. That's not how we roll. Especially not our children. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, so you know. so he was about to just throw him out there. So his mom was, I said, "Are you okay?" I was like, "It don't matter." He needs to get checked out before he go back out there on that field. Right, and that goes, and again, not to, to, as a female who watches sports, like, you know, maybe not playing, you you don't know maybe what the signs are to look for, or have you seen, you know, little boys play, or you've seen, you know, maybe you haven't seen that, so maybe there are just some things that perhaps someone else might, you know, be more familiar with, and it's okay. Like it's it, again. I, I think it was it was just more out of you know what. Let's have a proper conversation, and if there's some you know there's someone else that maybe could possibly relate, then that's what that was more so what he was trying to do. I don't think he was trying to be disrespectful. And that's how hood dudes are. 
Where you do that? Right. I don't want to talk to you. Right. Where you that's that's how he's from Oakland. Yeah, he's yeah, from he real from Oakland, Oakland dude. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So sometimes I mean everything is you know is all this and that and okay we want equality we want gender roles we don't want gender roles don't cross these roles we are these roles I'm the father but I'm a woman like it, it's it's just it becomes, it's too much right. and, and, more, and more than likely a man who had played sports been cussed at by a coach right? yeah. So that wouldn't even been an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's also it's, where it's, it's going very much. Uh, we always talk about you know the need for, and I mean obviously there are people who have grown up you know successfully without you know both parents and, and obviously, but we've always talked about the need for that balance. How you know women are the nurturers, like we're the we know they get hurt. Okay, you okay? Da, da, da. And you have the men who you know also they bring on on that disciplinary and that type of correction. Sometimes I mean it's general, but that's kind of how it is with, you know, boys or whatever. So that, you know, it's okay to say that, um, you know, so people need, you need a balance. You need a balance. I would even say he was trying to show her uh, respect yeah. the way he was handling the situation. I've only seen, like, her side, her video, and then I've seen the video of them going at it. So she's saying that he cussed at the sun because he wasn't doing something in the drill. And then she went out to the field and threw a shirt and cussed back at him. And then that situation started. So I could see in that in that instance where you'd be like, uh, just to defuse the situation, you have a male here. Can we? So, so she came. See, this is what I didn't see. So I only saw the video. Yeah, that's, she what, that's what what I hear from her. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. so she came yeah. on the next day. Yeah. Oh, so this is the day after. But, but I will say this, being someone that's been coaching high school the past couple of years, is that the environment is changing. And I see a lot of coaches that struggling with the new generation of parenting and coaching. And what Marshawn was like a Pop Warner kid in like the 90s. Yeah. It's 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 light years right, right, right. for yeah. what we could say and do. Like that stuff that how we was brought up, mm-hmm. we can't. Say and do. You can't say and do anymore. Yeah. Concussions so, didn't exist in the nineties. Yeah, right. yeah. So, so that was being so, <laughs> so just by being someone, and, and I haven't even been close to anything like that. Right. And you have parents complain. Well, you only criticize my child for not getting a rebound. She's a sinner. <laughs> that's the only one that's supposed to get. Yeah, that but was she's six five. Right. All right. Right, right, right. But, so, well, and I, and I think, uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say what stood out to me was the fact that you saw Marshawn take a breath. I mean, if you really watch the video, you see he basically tries to compose himself because I think he had a lot more in his mind. Well, but I actually, also think he really, because you could tell, I think he was running the drills with him. Like, right, right, yeah. Breath. Like I think he literally, but he was like really like, I'm trying. Like I think, like you say, he took the breath. I think he was trying to figure out how to explain how exactly. How exactly. can I explain this to you? Right. As a mom who don't understand exactly. the culture of what's going on down there, exactly. And I've seen, like I said, I've seen a lot of mothers. Like I wish somebody would cuss out, cuss at mine, and da da da. And I was like, put them in another sport. And that, like, that's what I would say. Like yeah. because, because if you worried about cursing and not like football is one of the most brutal mm. sports. Like yeah. it comes with a certain kind of energy. It comes with a certain kind of uh, a culture. It just does. If you don't want your son in that energy in that culture. Play tennis or golf. Play, because, play lacrosse. Individual yeah, sports. Because, yeah, well, that's yeah. why they don't that's allow that's a lot that's of parents at practice. But baseball, football, and basketball, you get me. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, of- so, so, so you might as well play an individual sport. Well, because, you know, as 
and you like you can test this as a coach, especially like if you're trying to coach young black boys, because that's a, a very specific thing too. Right. If you're trying to coach young black boys, a lot of whom, like you said, haven't probably had male figures in their lives, um, or the ones who do have male figures, those are the ones who operate a little differently. And then you have you know, the ones who do have male figures, but they've been coddled by their mom. There's a certain way you have to kind of break them down to even reach them. Like, there's a certain way you have to go hard on them to even get them to, like, listen, I remember, this is not even sports, dude. This is a musical. We was working on a musical with some kids. And yeah. 2000, this was 2017, 2016. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to the kids, like, yo, when we used to do these musicals, we used to be rehearsing all night. Like, we didn't get out of practice till midnight. Like, y'all lucky. Y'all get out, like... Eight, right. like Swinton had us here till twelve thirty one in the morning. Right. I said we had still had to get up and go to school and be regular students, but we wanted to be good. We wanted to go hard. We wanted we had self motivation for ourselves. Right. And one girl raised her hand, blew my mind. I'll never forget this moment. She raised her hand. She said, "Y'all don't yell at us enough." Really? Yes. Wow. Because we were trying right. to take a different approach. Right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. And she said. She said, y'all don't yell at us now. She said, y'all keep talking about what y'all do and how y'all did. She said, we different from y'all. We not self-motivated at all. Yeah. Wow. I think that's the And she was fully aware. Fully aware. Because she was always the smoker. biggest difference between the, our generation and theirs. I, I tell, you know, our kids this all the time. Because like, oh, you know what? It's going to be an open gym Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And two kids show up. And I'd be like, do y'all know? If somebody told us there was an open gym Man. <laughs> when we was coming up, do you know how many dudes and people would be in that gym? Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, they would be kicking dudes off the court. Like, you right. can't even get on the court. Right. But but we have open gym. You got one, two, three kids showing. Sure. I was like, y'all have no idea. Like, when I was good, like, we used to break in USC gym. Right, just to play. Uh, yeah. Just to play the top floor and get ran out by security. Right. Because most of the time it was like your, your local uh, school court or whatever. I said, but you get one, two, three kids sometimes. So, sometimes a gym open five hours, two kids show up the whole time. Dude, I'm like, that, y'all have no so idea. So that's what I'm saying. So you're talking about a different way to reach kids, a different type of motivation. Because when she said that, it literally blew my mind. Because yeah. she was like, no, like, whatever y'all want to do, y'all have y'all literally have to push us at every turn wow. to get us to do what we mm-hmm. need to do. Because she said, I'm telling you, I'm with these kids. We just different than y'all. They're not self-motivated. They're not. They, she like that. Well, and, and I think a lot of that comes because I will. I always allude to this. I had kids that I worked with. Their parents would let them quit like two days before the show. They've been yeah. rehearsing months and months, and they pray, well, he don't want to do it no more. I'm like, yo, you can't let them do that. Like, right. first of all, you got all these people in a bad position because they've been rehearsing with this kid for three months, right. showing a couple of days. Now. You let him know it's okay to just quit. You let him know it's just. I say so. If you don't want to do it no more, say after this play, you don't have to do acting no more. Like that's how my mom was. Like after this right. season, you don't want to play football, fine. But, but you don't finish the season. You, you back. You committed. Yeah. You have to finish, it, it, and that's not being taught. It, it, it's the microwave generation. Right. They want everything heat up, but they want. They, they, I need it now. I need yeah, now. they want it now. They don't understand gratification. I, I, gratification. I told, I told one player. I said, you don't understand. That Steph Curry shoot that same shot five hundred times. Right. You shoot it five times and then you you stop. Ready to move on. Yeah. Ready to move on. So, but then you get mad because you get pulled in the game because you didn't shot that shot. But I haven't seen you practice. So we right. tell them if you haven't practiced it, don't take it. Don't don't do it in the game. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 I, I said that, that's the, that's with any profession. Correct. If, you, if you're not practicing it, don't like 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 someone. 
who have never played the keyboard that was always on the guitar can't show up at a concert. And like, I'm gonna play keys. Yeah, they're like, like, no, man, I got this. this. But, <laughs> but, but to your point with little boys, because I've been helping with a little uh, little boys team uh, on the weekend, and it's like trying to get because the, they like ten, trying to get them to understand like one boy every every shot he made, he doing this. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then what happened? The kid came down, bust his ass, and guess what the kid did? And now, guess what he want to do? He want to fight him. He want to fight him. I said, no. That's not how this shit goes. Yeah. I said, if you're going to do that, you got to expect it that you better lock him down because he definitely going to do it back. I said, but also understand this. You take all the shots. You don't play no damn defense. Mm. I said, and you got about three more years before you start getting into fights. Right. I said, because I'm telling you. As you get older, you start taking shots and don't get get your ass back on defense. It's gonna be a problem. Yeah, somebody gonna say something. His dad stood there and said a word. The dad was like, "I've been trying to tell you. I've been trying to tell you. I've been trying to tell you." Which kind of goes to why he was like, "Is a man here?" Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what because I'm saying? Because he knows a man don't understand. Yeah, you know? but you know, and, and, and I'm not saying a woman wouldn't. No, but it's okay but to say there are some things that only a man will understand. I cannot. Yeah. You can't. As a woman, I can't say. I, oh, just explain to me. I I will understand it. I, it's okay to say there's some things as a man you won't understand that a woman would. It's okay to say that. Yeah, because there are some things. Is it though? Yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, because, because, well, I'm saying it should be. Yes, because, okay, that's because, what yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's, that's not how it is. That's yeah, not how it's it definitely is. not how it is. I mean, because when, when my daughter is talking about her hair, I ain't about to I pass it on. So like, what I like, think <laughs> is, you yeah. ought to know. <laughs> yeah, okay. or, or, or for instance, uh, I remember I, I took her to a salon and a hairstylist was saying this. I was like, you know what? Hold that thought. Let me get her mom I'm on, on the phone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm and that's respect. I mean, yeah. that's just like, you I'm, know I'm, I'm on my lane. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, you know, just to touch on that, like I say, to go back to the beginning thing, I think we need to get to a point where, and again, if I'm like, did this lady not know anything about Marshawn Lynch before she put her child in this camp? <laughs> like that. That's you like, know. If it's one thing I know, if you put your child in Marshawn Lynch, he gonna hear some cuss. There's gonna be some cuss. <laughs> you know how that going in. She didn't yeah. watch. She don't watch the commercials. Uh, matter of fact, on this documentary, and, and fact, I'm preparing my like. Look, so I need you to go out there, just focus. Don't take it personal. Listen to the message. But what's funny was late even Wacker was when she came back the next day talking about she said she went to the field and cursed him out. So mm-hmm. I'm like, so is cursing really the issue? Or, or is, is it just that him cursing? Somebody, him no, child. Is somebody telling her yeah. son something. Because you cussed out you said you cussed him out in front of all the other kids. Okay. So why is that okay then? Like what's the difference? Because people don't like other people telling their kids stuff. And that's Which what's is wrong the biggest with this problem. Whole the biggest. Yeah, that's yeah. the huge You can't talk to my child like that. I can say whatever I want, but you can't. Parents yeah. notoriously get set off at sporting events for their kids, though. Like, mothers are always out on the field. Like, I've seen it. They, <laughs> no, they be wilding. They be wilding yeah, out in the control. wrong attire. And this just happened you know. to be Marshawn Lynch's camp. Right. And then he happened to say something that she could flip. Yeah. And, and while we in. on sports, too, I don't know if y'all saw it today. Uh, the NCAA has uh, announced hmm. a whole bunch of different uh, guidelines that it's going to take to be a an agent. agent. For the NCAA, which I think is one, it's bullshit. But two, I also think, how can the NCAA have any say so over who kid deals with after he's no longer after in he school? Declares, yeah, after he declares. After he declares, he don't play for that school no more. So what jurisdiction does the NCAA still have to say 
who a kid can deal with if they declare and they not they not an amateur no more. I swear, man, white people are, are trying to hold on to every little piece of power they have. <laughs> you know, every little piece of every little piece of power they have. The NCAA because they pretty much getting free labor and then getting free labor. For, for for decades. decades. Yeah, I don't that, like that's that's Ryan, yeah, I don't understand their positions. I don't understand the, the policies they put up. <laughs> the, the, you can't have this. You can't have endorsement deals. You can't have like I don't get while paying coaches five and ten million dollars yeah, a year. You're paying the coach. You selling the game on TV. You selling tickets. You selling you're merchandise. We selling you. Play an NCAA video game with number seven on it. We all know no, who the well, player well, is. Well, well, the reason why that's not made anymore because on Madden, yeah, on Madden, yeah. yeah. wanted to get some money. Yes, yeah. they were like, "Oh, you do good." We're taking. I the was name kind off. of very sweet about that because yeah. I played college. Well, they did that first. They took the names off. Right, mm-hmm. uh, but Ed O'Bannon was like, "That's I don't you that's me. That's me. Right? Yeah, that's you what number five when Tall, USC was ready, but right, of course. The issue though is that." And I don't even—I don't even want to say it's an issue. I, I think what the best thing to come up, up about of this issue is that Rich Paul and Clutch Sports and LeBron and everyone that's positioning themselves and jockeying themselves to be in position to eventually become owners and to do more in the sports are seeing that they're fully aware of what's coming. They have made it blatantly apparent that look, you're going to be a problem. Yeah, and we need to address this. Now, I can I can imagine the next criteria is going to be to own a team. Now that LeBron's basically paving the way to eventually own a team, yeah, so I, now they're going to be like, well, you would have had, you have to be born with money. No, you can't, you can't have played in the NBA. Right, right. right. <laughs> I think I, I've been telling people this, and I know folks get mad. Oh, these players, they do this, they do that. Look, the the my my like, I say the the moderate era of the NBA started. From '76, the merger with the the ABA, right. on to 2010. The LeBron and a couple other players Chris decided Paul, to man. do what they wanted to do and control who they wanted to play right. and go to what team they wanted to. That changed everything. 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 So we're in a complete different era. Right. That's why you're going to see like. That era of a player being with one team twenty years is it's probably is over. Yeah, you, that's probably like you'd be happy if you got somebody for ten, a good ten, twelve. You a lifetimer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they've been pissed off at clutch ever since. That that really create. That's why AD is here now. That's Correct. why Kawhi did what he. Is they were like, we're gonna fix this nigga, and they literally <laughs> made a rule specifically to eliminate him because because they because know. they know right. whatever whatever it is, they're gonna do something. They they're gonna do their own thing. Right. Yeah, they 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 whatever guidelines they have that when clutch get in there, they gonna as long as it's within the rules, the rules, right. they're gonna do their own thing, right. and they have to eliminate them. From, from, from the whole, whole, whole So thing. you guys lay out the rules. We follow them. Find a loophole within your, your system. lacking rule, rules. you know, your system. And then now that we've taken advantage right. of that uh, system, exactly. you now see us as a threat instead of saying, oh, you know yeah. what, you actually might need to be on the board now to start figuring this out. Because if you saw that, you yeah. know, if I'm the NBA, I see, 
how much you making with Clutch? We need you on this side. <laughs> you know, that should have well, been their approach. That's why when people get mad at the Lakers, I, I think it's genius for them to have a relationship to have a rich ball. Right. Yeah. I, I, I was like, look, because now it's all about relationships. Correct. It's all with, with agents. Right. And, and you seeing guys basically from the same agency want to team up. Correct. That's kind of the thing. That's all. And, and, and as much as they want to blame Rich Paul for that, it actually almost happened shit, 15 some years ago when Tim Duncan, T Mac, and Grant Hill was all represented by the same agent. Was yep. that David Falk? Who was that? No, I forgot the, right. the guy name. Right. But their agent was going to set that up. Have all them Orlando. go to Orlando, yep. and it was Doc Rivers' dumbass. He told Tim Duncan he couldn't have his wife on the plane, and Tim Duncan went back. <laughs> that to, was his to, choice. To, to, yeah, he to cost San Antonio. He cost well, choice. let me ask y'all this: What do y'all say to the, what do y'all say to the opposition, where they say, well, what about those agents who aren't um, qualified? Yeah, those agents yeah. who are like a cousin or uncle who giving the kid bad advice, or like so. So, what do you say to the counterpoint of? I mean, I feel like we know this is targeted to Chris Paul rule. You know what I mean? Rich Paul. Rich Paul. Yeah, Rich Paul. Rich Paul, yeah. Targets the Rich Paul rule. Travis, come on in and have a seat. <laughs> uh, so we know it's targeted, right? It's the, the, the Rich Paul rule. Right. But what do you say to those who say, like, well, we have different, you know, we have kids who got people who don't know what they're doing, don't know what they're talking about. Like, what do you say to that? Like, how do you, how do you combat that side of it? This is business. And, and in business, there's inherent risk. Um, if your choice is, is, okay, I'm going to choose someone to represent me, and you haven't vetted that person, you don't know who this person is, then that's kind of on you. At some point, we have to take away the safety net that's involved with business. So? You know, um, it's kind of like you live and you learn, and what happens is, is what we find is it's actually people that are closer to you than these people that they're going out and finding. It's your family. Yeah. It's people you actually know. That are the ones that are ripping you off. It's the people that don't know you that are probably a little bit more leery to say, okay, I'm going to take something from this person. I don't even know who they may have coming back to get it from. So at some point we have to take this. And, and they brought it up on TV all day. So the NCAA made a rule specifically for one sport. And that, that was the crazy thing because it's not for it football, that, it's not for baseball. It's just that's for only basketball. That's how you know. That's how you it was know. Specifically for right. Rich Paul, right? Well, then the criteria because they look and then you saw the meme where they were like showing Rich Paul show up to ICBC. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and the crazy thing is to be an agent, and it, I mean anybody could be an agent. You still have to pass the the. the uh, you have to get certified. certified. Correct. There, there is a certification. Test. Correct. So uh, what I don't understand is if he passed that the, test, that, that test, then. He should be allowed. That that's why you know this is specifically for, for him. him. Yeah. For him, right? Because yeah. at first, what were the caveats in it? Like he, there, he had to have a bachelor's degree. degree. Yeah, yeah, he had to have take, a degree. That's silly. You have to take the test <laughs> with the NCAA now because that in, in, NBA has a test you have to take, but now they say right. you got to take the, uh, a specific NCAA test. So it's bachelor's, the NCAA test, and it was two more things. I think right, yeah. there were it, uh, basically the last thing they just should have added: you can't have two or more play on the Lakers. Like, look, if you got a player on the Lakers that were number twenty-three, they just should have just went all the way in on. Them. Yeah. yeah, you can't then get any player from college. Like, it's not specific, but right. if your name matches with Raron Yames, <laughs> you, 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 you're the purpose. And what's and what's what we ought to also highlight is that Rich Paul has been doing everything he can to empower his players. 
See, mm -hmm. the reason this came about is because of that kid that skipped college yeah. and went overseas and got that million dollars from New Balance. Yep. See, again, that reading, the, reading yep. the rules, following the rules, finding a better way to them is, okay, you're a threat. Well, this is my thing. I That's think, a good agent. I think it's going to backfire to the, on the NCAA, though, because oh, of course. if you want Chris Paul and Chris Paul thinks you're good enough to make the NBA, Chris Paul's going to go tuck you overseas now, rich. and you're not going to go. I'm getting rich. <laughs> I don't know why. Rich Paul's going to go tuck you overseas exactly. now and let you go play a year over there and bring you back. Right. And you're going to, like you said, he's going to get you a shoe deal before you in the NBA. He's going to get you a bigger deal than you would have got. At, you know, if you go to the Tokyo Dragons, Correct. you're going to get a better deal now because you're with Rich Paul. Then he's just going to bring you back. And then that's going to also lead to going into uh, LeVar Ball. That's what that's kind of what LeVar did. Well, LeVar right. did. Well, he said, well, we're just going to start our own amateur or junior league. amateur league. Right. And you come see the players here. This will be the pool. But now LeVar had, like, the right the idea. Right idea. Yeah. But somebody like Rich Paul could implement that and make it happen. And make it happen. Like, he could build it and have like it will feel more legit Correct. if Rich Paul did it Rich Paul was over Rich Paul picked the coaches and all that Rich Paul is more seasoned in that business in this business yeah I think and then LeVar didn't really vet the right guy because now I find out remember when players were complaining about not getting paid that, that guy, same dude that was same dude was the one not who, paying who took m money from Zoe was the same person that was in charge a pen and player, so yeah. it all goes back. Like basically, yeah. how, how from my understanding is, Zomon was in charge. Like the worst thing ever happened to them she got was, she had was her yeah. was her stroke yeah. because she was in charge of the money. Yeah, and then once she, you know, he let he lifted that dude. Yeah, and then Lavar wasn't that much involved because he had to attend to his wife. Yeah, dude just took advantage of. Who took was the dude though? Do y'all watch their show? The ball in the family. Show? I watched some of them. Yeah, yeah. Is he on there? Yeah, the dude was. Is yeah. the dude with yeah. the, like, the curly hair? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, but, I thought it was him, but I still but, see but, him with them. But, but, no, no, you're also, talking about Dio. That, that's Zoe's manager. Oh, okay, so you're talking okay. about there's two different. They kind of look similar. I know okay, okay. About, yeah. yeah, but still, it, it it just when we figure out the system, they move the goalposts. Pretty, pretty much. Like, isn't, and, isn't the and, reason that they're just doing basketball? Because in basketball, they let the players come back if they don't get drafted, right? Right. Oh, I didn't. And, and, I, and I think I was yeah. going to add that earlier when Quincy was speaking, but I think that may have something to do with it where they'll say, okay, if you do go and obtain an, an agent and you that agent doesn't qualify, now we've removed that right for you to now go back and, and go back to college. And that's pretty much like if somebody signed with Rich Paul, they pretty much. They're going back. anyway, right. So yeah. I can't see him signing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah, like right. if you don't follow through the. Correct. The protocol. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, well, I just want to talk about that, touch on there really quick. Um, we'll probably talk about it more on Take Five Sports. Uh, I want to talk to Jamal about the nitty gritty. About the nitty gritty. <laughs> so, uh, Jamal is a, a black conservative. He considers himself a black conservative. Mm -hmm. um, first, let me ask you, what is it that drew you to conservatism? Because you said you were a Democrat, like most of us, lifelong yeah. Democrat. What started to draw you to the right side? Well, the the liberal side started moving. I think uh, it's like everything happened together. Like the world started becoming super politically correct. So I would, I was, I felt like I'm a liberal. I'm still the same liberal that I was, except just the. So you the, feel like the party moved away. The party from you. shifted left, and now here I am, looking at I'm agreeing with all the conservative views. So and, what 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 views specifically do you agree with on the conservative side? Uh, smaller government. 
Well, that's mo- that's basically the center of it. I believe in smaller government, uh, self, family, community, in that order first. Um, the the put the specific views like a strong border, uh, abortion, <laughs> the, the basic stuff that are primary concerns. I fall more conservative on them. Okay, so you you consider yourself conservative. How do you have those views now and, and align yourself with what the party is now? Because I feel like you say you talk about family, you talk about uh, you talk about family values, you talk about community, you talk about small business. I think, the, like as you say, you feel like the liberal side went a little more left. Mm-hmm. I think the conservative side has went away from a lot of those principles in regards to small government. And I haven't seen it. I just think those those principles are attacked in a different way now. Whereas in, um, whereas in like conservatism will say you're responsible for you. If you can't get it done, you have your family. If you and your family can't get it done, you have your community. Like you guys have to. And then if it gets too extreme, call the government. <laughs> what I say, like liberal, being a liberal now is government first. Like we're like uh, there's a problem with health. Everybody should have health insurance now. Health, like you hear, health insurance is a right. Uh, gun laws. Hold on, stop. Yeah, so you I'm don't saying. think health insurance is a right? No. Why not? Well, it can't be a right because there's doctors and nurses. I can't force them to do stuff. <laughs> but there's other countries that have universal health care, and there's doctors and nurses there. That's true. I don't agree with it, and I don't think there's. Uh, I don't think there's innovative as our health care. I think our health care is more of a free market system. Like Canada, for instance, Canada has a worse problem with cancer, more instances, and more deaths from cancer in California and they have a less a lesser population in California so it's it's like saying yeah they do have it but it doesn't work as well as ours like when you have an issue in the world you want to be at an American <laughs> doctor's office okay and people do come here to, to yeah. get health care like you want to be here to be sick right but in reverse people do go other places I know sure. there's some white people that go they choose to go to Mexico to buy their pharmaceutical needs sure there's also a lot of people who go to Canada for treatment right, too. To oh, uh, I think there was a, a Republican, was a Republican senator, right, that went to Canada right. for treatment. Those are individual kind of cases, but yeah, it, for the most part, you you think the system up there is just not as good as we have here. Yeah, I don't think it's as good. Okay. Okay, so do you think so since you say that you don't you think uh, healthcare for all is 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 not a human right? If there's a way to make a system that works. Where doctors still can make their bread, where insurance companies still make but their bread, what would be the issue with that? What would be the problem with healthcare for all in, in that manner? Uh, I don't know. That's it. Yeah, it's just Coming out of our pockets. You're you're talking about a system that doesn't exist. Like it, you're it's it's a hypothetical question. Like nothing would be a problem with it. I just don't. I don't. I haven't seen it. Nobody, nobody laid out that specific, and I'm like, okay, that would work then. So let's do that. Like now, now it went from Obamacare. Like I'm talking about the party moving. Obama was considered a progressive liberal. He wanted everyone. But you know, to Obamacare have, was Mitt Romney care first. Sure, but everyone he wanted everyone to have access to health care, right. and that was fine. I was okay with that. And, and but. It was left under the caveat that you would still have the choice to be able to have private health care if you wanted to, and it turned out that wasn't the case. And so now, now the, the party's moved further left. Now it's just not okay that everybody has access to health care. Everybody must have 
government health care. And so now it's Medicaid for all. I don't know, like, I grew up in the county hospital. I don't know if you've ever been to them. I don't feel like they're the best hospitals to go to. I'm the, I don't know why we want to make them all county hospitals. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I see what you Yeah. I can dig it. Okay, now, so I know you have to run down your list. So after health care for all, what else? Oh, we can talk about the border. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about the border. That's very interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think borders, I think it's, America has one of the loosest, um, one of the loosest borders. I don't, I don't like. I don't know how to say that. Loose border sounds a little weird, but we have one of the easiest borders to cross. Especially like if you're already on the the land, it's easy to get a visa here. It's not easy to stay, but it's easy to come. Right. Right. So I, I think what I, where where I have problems is why is it wrong to have a strong border, and I think it's become. I think it's become a thing that Donald Trump is so hated that everything he wants to do, there has to be pushback from it. And the pushback has to be the opposite of what he said. Well, Actually, you know what? I, I disagree with that because we've discussed this on the show before and we are all in favor of like border security, immigration reform, all that. We're all in favor of that because it's true. Like There are so many things that are, are, are wrong, but I think just the way that he's presenting it, it's, 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 it's very full of hate. So it makes it it makes it seem like, you know, I hate immigrants. We don't want anybody in this country. Where I think if you listen to a lot of the um, senators on CNN, they agree with immigration reform. They want um, some type of border security. They want, but I mean, if you think about things that he's asking for, oh, I want to build a wall around this and that. Like certain, first of all, just logistically, some of that stuff doesn't even make sense. You know. Okay. Financially, it doesn't make sense, and I think just if if he I think if he was asking for you know uh, immigration reform or border security and, and there was a, a specific plan like I'm just going to build the wall and we're going to keep out the Muslims. I mean, the, his rhetoric is what's making it seem like hate. I think that's more so what it is. And and and, and it completely doesn't solve kids showing up at the border with no parents with a note in their pocket. Mm-hmm. And well. So, and so, so to go with the narrative, oh, there's gang, is rapist gang because even Obama administration, they dealt with it as the same way, and then they found out that uh, there's a humanitarian issue. They called Obama to, 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 the porter in chief. To, to, yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so he was. And, and so, and then they they did research and they found out, oh, these are people showing up with kids. Like, how do we deal with this? And what Trump is selling is these are all rapists, gangsters, murderers coming over here. And I think that's the issue. And then when you see on video, who's in cages? Kids. I don't agree with that. That's what he says, though. I agree with that. That's the narrative. That is Wait, totally you agree with what is he says? You haven't heard him say it? No, I've never heard him say people, all immigrants coming over here are Rapists and he murders. literally that said on his, his first campaign. He, he said campaign. Mexicans are rapists and murders, and they bad send their faces in a bag. Like Donald Trump said that. Donald Trump is bad at talking, and, and the media. <laughs> but that's important. <laughs> I know, and the I know, and the media is good at framing the things that he says because he says so many things that are not strong in stature. Like so, when he can say they come over here, they're murderers, they're rapists. It's easy to say he's talking about all immigrants that come to the country. But, like, intellectually, we know he's not, right? No, no. not, not <laughs> him. Because he said ban Muslims. He didn't say a ban on Muslims. I think you're giving him way too much credit. Yeah, man. because he said he said a ban on Muslims. 
He didn't say a ban on some Muslims. He didn't say a ban on bad Muslims. He said a ban on Muslims. He used fear. And I think I think we was getting it to we was talking off the camera that that started to me it started with the Tea Party and it's not a coincidence the Tea Party became for it became in existence in two thousand nine right. who was president who just got elected right. and I remember guys like Glenn Beck going on TV using all these type of fear mm-hmm. tactics. How Obama? I remember they was talking about white slavery right. because of Obama, and 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 that that's how stuff like like the birthday movement. He when when Obama went to uh, Orlando, they was talking about go back to Kenya. Like they started using fear mm-hmm. because it was a black president, and Trump just pretty much took that, dialed into it, and ran with it. Well, what I would just add is let's let's just let's take Trump out of this picture. Okay. What what was this country founded on? Yeah, we're going to agree with this. It was founded on industrialism, slavery, the idea of capitalism. Basically. No, no, what, what, let me be more specific. What was okay. the model of this country when it began? Oh, the land of the free, home the of the brave. The land of yeah. the free. So that only applies to the ones that come first, or should that apply to everyone? Because, see, my issue with the immigration mm. is that it's not encompassing immigrants. It's specific to groups. If we're going to deal with immigration, let's start with who got here first. Let's start with the Europeans, you know, because people were leaving countries, coming here because they wanted a better life. They were getting overtaxed. They felt that, you know, it's not right here. So I want to go somewhere and build something where everyone is welcome. I could be wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, but what has happened now is, is that everyone is now taking advantage of that freedom. And say, okay, well, me too. I want to be a part of that. I want to go there. I want to make it better for my family. But now it's being spewed as, okay, well, hold on. Hold on. This is our country. No, 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 no. This country belonged to someone before you got here. And if we're not willing to start from the beginning and address issues that have been sort of overlooked prior to laws being created. See, they broke every law known to man and then created the laws. Okay. You know, we're going to come over here. We're going to rape, torture. We're going to bring disease with us. We're going to wipe out an entire population, buy your land for a penny an acre, which is basically nothing on the dollar, and then tell you this is our country. We died for it. We fought for it. Well, you stole it. And yes, you're going to have to fight for something you stole. You know, when that's the so case. So, what is it that you're proposing? That we start over? No, no, that we just change our model. This is not the land of the free. This is yeah. not the home of the brave. This is the land of, I w- I'm not going to even use, this is a Christian land that has a European background. And see, that, that, that's when these, the Muslim issues come up, is that we're not even willing to address the, the, the Christianity issue that involved in this country. Mm-hmm. All of these people that are spewing all this hate claim to be Christians. They claim to, to love the Lord. They claim all this, but on the other hand, they're also telling children, take your ass back where you came from. See, when I was, when I was fully immersed in religion, I kind of believed all that shit. You know, I thought that this is actually the way it's supposed to be until I started living life, seeing how people actually were, and it kind of forced me to leave the church. And it made me think, if those are the good people, I'd hate to know who the bad people are. You know, and at some point, we just have to wake up and say, this is who we are. Trump is the perfect president for this country. 
yeah. because he embodies everything that this country has always been. Obama, I halfway, I halfway agree with you. Like, I don't think you're saying anything's wrong about the origin or the formation of the country. It just doesn't translate to today's policy. Like, how? Did, what does that mean that we have to do to implement? To, to implement a well, we have to just be honest. Well, I was, I was gonna say because you think about it, it's like it's like when you say when Trump talks, he talks about specific groups, which I right. think again back to what Chandra said is what kind of makes it problematic when he is talking about secure borders because he talks specifically about Mexicans, he talks specifically about uh, Muslims, but then he talks glowingly about Swedish immigrants. He talks Norway. Norway. Like, he talks glowingly about immigrants from white countries. Mm -hmm. So, if you're talking about you're for strong borders, and as a conservative, then it should be for strong borders and, and, and immigration reform all around. It is. Not just for you. Yeah. Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> but, like, but, like, for a big fraction of the country and why Trump, you know, was able to win, it was about stopping Mexicans and Muslims. Well, no, no. To me, the border secure the the border issue at the South isn't about Mexico. It's about the country southern of Mexico. Hmm. So I think elaborate. Well, <coughs> well, that's the thing that the whole thing started with Mexico is going to pay for the wall, right? It's not because Mexicans are coming here. Like statistically, more Mexicans are leaving now than they are coming. Right. It's like the it's Central the country, America. yeah, it's Central Americans, Guatemala. Uh, our, our allies, right? Sure, they're all when we want them, when we need them, <laughs> you know, to get their drugs and stuff. And I don't think allies. it's about being enemies or allies. I, I figure we're all allies, but the the I think Mexico got into it because Mexico has strong immigration law. So pe the people from the country southern of Mexico were basically marathon racing through Mexico. Mexico was pushing them through. Like, here's some water, here's some sleeping bags, but y'all can't stay here. Y'all going to America, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And so I think the thing that Mexico is going to do this and help us is because they're allowed, they're basically pushing through people through their country to come here. And so it's like, yeah, we kind of do need a little, a little uh, kickback for that, the price on this. I, I, I think... I think you are right. I don't think it's so much as about uh, Mexicans coming over. I think it's about people coming from Africa. Um, oh, how we get on that? Uh, <laughs> Let me hear. I have a friend. She works uh, at the border. She represents people who's coming at over. At the southern border? Yeah. Who, come, who comes over, who try to get uh, asylum. She's an immigration attorney. She's an immigration attorney. And... The pictures and what she educated me on is that you have a lot of guys coming from Africa, countries that the United States doesn't give visa to. Mm -hmm. And all of them are Muslim countries. And so what a lot of Africans have done is they, have, they are trying to come through Mexico mm -hmm. to get over here because they can't come directly here because the United States doesn't allow people from these uh, particular countries to come over here. And I shared the pictures with them. I think I shared it on my page as well that it, it, it was hundreds of people from Africa who come from Muslim countries that the U.S. that the U.S. doesn't allow visa for that, that's trying to come to Mexico. And, and they don't allow visas because bec they're uh, extremist countries? They, they you know, 
I because Trump, he, I mean, he did say Muslims were terrorists. That some of these countries are are like like some countries, from my understanding, in Africa are half Christian, half Muslim. Right. These countries are strictly Muslims. Yeah, maybe like, like there's no like like Nigeria. You mm-hmm. have a Muslim part of Nigeria. You have a Christian part of Nigeria. From my understanding, I go back and look in, into the inbox to see the countries she listed. The northern countries. That yeah. these countries are strictly Muslims. That mm-hmm. the United States does not allow these people to come, to come over here and get visas. So what they've been trying to do is come through Mexico. And that has a lot to do with what's been going on with Trump talking about. You, you, the caravan. You, yeah, the caravan. And he have even mentioned terrorists. Yeah. Come through Mexico, mm-hmm. and a lot of I people didn't get it because people were like, "Why is he calling Mexican terrorists?" Yeah. No, he, he he wasn't talking about Mexico. Right. He was talking about those those people coming from Muslim countries from Africa. Okay, and so let's go. You know, you you say you for pretty much for for, for family, God, and so no, I say God, self oh, family, okay. community. Self <laughs> family, family, self family community. Yeah. So so when you talk about self family and community, how do you um? How do you reconcile some of the policies that Trump has put in put into play that don't help those things for you? For example, the tax cut. Like tax cut was more mm-hmm. for billionaires. That wasn't for small businesses. It wasn't for small. You know what I mean? Like that's why when uh, you, uh, I think someone was saying Trump is like a Tea Party. I feel like Trump's policies they were like conservative the first year, then they became more liberal, but they became like more base liberal. Like now he's like putting in farm bills, uh, you know, to help farmers. He legalized hemp, and he's he has a crime a crime reform bill. Like his 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 policy is almost like the continuation of Obama, <laughs> instead of being uh, extremely conservative. So yeah, it's it is he. That's why I, I don't vote for Trump. I don't like him as a person. I'm I don't necessarily follow his path of policy either, if, for the most part. So what? So what part of the um, Because like I said I understand why you moved away from the liberals Because you said they moved away from you But what part mm-hmm. of the conservative party As it stands now Because you know me and Travis talked about yesterday The conservative party is really different Today You know Than when Than when Like pre-Trump conservatives are very different than post-Trump I think everything's different I think pre, <laughs> pre-Trump conservatives Pre-Trump liberals uh, Pre-Trump leftists, and the only thing that I think are the same are, are, that's just spread are the far left and the far right. I think far right are they're still white nationalists, and I think the far left is still are still like you know radically liberal as far as wanting government controlled everything. But I feel like the middle is all the middles change. Conservative, liberal, libertarian, everything else has changed except those two sides. Well, that's and that's why I want to talk to a conservative though, because I'm just trying to see how you guys reconcile being conservative with what's actually going on in the White House now. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like how do you reconcile saying I'm conservative, but then these things, these views, these policies don't line up with it? Also, if if you say I moved away because liberalism moved away from me, but mm-hmm. like conservatism also moved as well. So maybe like no, you said, well, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't feel that. I feel like I feel like the idea of conservatism is being included in identity politics. Like when you see, like conservative, I've I've seen people react to somebody say they're conservative as if they said they were racist. Do you understand why that yeah, is? Some people don't know because I think it's a narrative. 
Do you think it's a narrative or do you think there's real basis in it? So 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 that's the thing I have issue with. It's not a it's not a narrative if enough things and policies have happened to show you that it's true. Well you have to well be specific and I'll give you my thought. I mean I mean if we just go back to I won't say the beginning of the conservative part, I won't say the conservative part, I would say more of the Republicans when they turn from Dixiecrats to Republicans. Because that's kind of I think a lot of where the Racist Republican in the modern era, because like you know, uh, in the modern era. Basically, Richard Nixon did exactly what Trump did. He when when Lyndon Johnson and Kennedy start moving with the civil rights movement, and and, and, and Robert Kennedy and Lyndon, a lot of actually Ronald Reagan was a Democrat. Now. A, a, a lot of those Democrats went to the Republican Party. And a lot of those states used to be blue states. Right. That's why that's why Kennedy got had Lyndon Johnson as his VP because Lyndon Johnson was popular in Texas. Those were blue states. Richard Nixon dialed into that. He dialed into those Dixiecrats yeah. and those states been red ever since. And and I think that that's pretty much what with, with, with Trump did that, like to me Trump removed the gray area you can't say well you know cause I, cause I used to tell people well you know what I kind of agree with the Democratic Party and I kind of agree with the Republicans on something he completely has eliminated that like and so now people in the middle are like who the hell we go with because we really don't we ain't that far to the left and we not that far to the right like that whole folks who have been in the gray area we're like we don't know who the hell? Because right. I can't roll with you because you racist and y'all over here, y'all way too extreme on, right. on on the left. Like, so you got people who's like just literally stuck in the middle. Now. Right. And I just go back to say, like as you say, uh, the narrative about conservatives being racist. I I, I tell you to do this just for your own uh, personal social experiment. Go almost any Fox News post about race. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Because, <laughs> but then we're talking about narrative again. Like no, when no, he because, says, no, no, because these are people who consider themselves conservative. I'm yeah, not, yeah, talking, yeah, I'm not yeah, talking about the news anchor. I'm talking about the actual people. Yeah, I'm talking about the people who consider themselves conservatives. The minority is always the loudest. Like when he says the middle, I still think I'm in the middle. I think I'm in the middle being conservative. I think the most liberals I talk to are in the middle being liberals. And, and, and to be honest with you, I, I did before when Dan told me you was coming on the show, I went to your page. Mm-hmm. And I expressed that to him. I said, I kind of feel he's kind of like in the middle. Yeah. I, I didn't feel he was, you so was we, a, a Trump supporter, but I also feel like, you know, I, I, I feel like. Yeah, so that's why people are confused when they say, oh, how did Trump win? People don't think this middle. Uh-huh. Oh. We do. We do. I think, like, I think yeah. conservative. When people say conservative, they think far right. <laughs> because most conservatives usually come with the Confederate flag. Yeah, you know. I don't know. See, I don't know if that's true. And, and maybe I'll take most. Of it, <laughs> but I don't that, think that's, that's what's that, being that, portrayed that's what in, in, that's, in. I think that, that's in why media. I say that when I say I think yeah. that's the narrative. Right. So when you say Fox News, it's like I know Fox News has a conservative narrative, but it's more far mm-hmm. right. It's pushing far right. Like I know CNN has a liberal narrative, but it's pushing far left. It's not. I don't think those are the people I'm going to run into at Starbucks. 
Right. Okay. Well, well, at least well you said it. something off camera. Everybody, this is Travis. This is Travis Page. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for years. Um, he has had some very interesting experiences being a black man in America. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like he he has a, a unique experience to all of us. Yeah, as as a mixed black man in America who, who looks, I guess you would say, more white than black in some cases. So, growing up, you had to see my mom to convince some people that I was actually half black because <laughs> pe- people just would not believe it. They would just they'd be like, no way. And I got my dad's hair, so you know I got the wavy hair. But, so, but when you see my mom, and then you're like, oh. Read the mic closer to you. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. There you go. Now, may I just ask, and I, I know this may sound personal, but what does it say on your birth certificate? Black. Because that's you what know, I'm... Yeah, 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 not, yeah. All, not all states um, put it on there, that. but I was born in Colorado where they right. still where put they it. Where they recognize you. Yeah. So. Right, so that was one of the one-drop states, yeah. too. Yeah, so for, for most of my life, you know, when you're... when So, you know, multiracial is something when you're checking the box on whatever you do, that's something very new. And right. so for most of my life... I checked black, or oftentimes other, or something like that, you know. Um, but nowadays, every everything includes multiracial, and that's usually what I check. So you were saying off camera, you said you feel like they need to start to have better descriptors. Yeah, I mean, so, so I'm a, so just to lay my cards on the table, like I, my instincts are very libertarian, but I have, a, uh, I'm often sympathetic to a conservative viewpoint. What I would define as conservative is something very different than what Trump is presenting. So the conservatives that I have read for years that I always uh, include as part of my uh, political consumption diet are the ones who are most vocally against Trump. These are people like David French or Kevin Williamson. Um, These are people who are are the quintessential what people call never Trumpers, right? Um, And so what I'm, what what I have often been interested in from the conservative, from a conservative viewpoint and looking at that isn't conservatism as a movement, isn't the people who are running out around sort of trying to get conservatives elected and become part of that movement. That's never been me, but I'm fascinated by conservatism as, as, a, as a core philosophy um, or, or some conservatives won't even call it a formal philosophy because it's more about a sensibility, right? Because a conservatism is purely a relative position, right? It's it's about cons- it's conservative. You, you're you're you trying to conserve something yeah. that you believe is important for society. So conservatism, in different eras, is going to look different, and different, different countries, countries is going right. to look different. Because it's about what are you trying to conserve? And so, right now, we have a lot of people uh, who are supporting Donald Trump who call themselves conservative. Um, and they don't really have a unifying sense of what exactly are they trying to conserve as some very crude cultural race-based things, but they've completely abandoned a lot of the economic conservatism that we saw pre-Trump, right? Trump's big innovation was that he moved the party economically left. I mean, he passed that Paul Ryan tax cut, but he vowed to protect some he vowed, you know, he's, he's running massive deficits. He hasn't cut anything. He's running uh, a huge tariff program to protect unions and workers. I mean, he, 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 he's been intent to get it done, but he really wanted to do a, t- a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan, which was bigger mm-hmm. than Bernie. He, he cribbed a lot of Bernie's economics and married it with the racism, and that's what his, <laughs> and that's what his key innovation was. I've never heard of and, and that's why he ran guys like Paul Ryan out of the party. 
he got that dude to retire. You know, this dude's been trying to re- implement his plan for years. He finally got unified all branches of Congress, and he's out of and he's out of the the party and retired two years later because Trump just was like, I'm, we're not doing all that stuff. You know, you get your tax cut, and then that's it. So I know you say you lean more. You know, you consider yourself a libertarian. So for people watching, what made you become a libertarian, and what exactly are the libertarian views that? That you hold. Yeah, so I, I think it was largely, you know, when I think about libertarianism, and and again, it's not like a aggressive hardcore thing. I, I like to describe libertarian more as um, as a series of questions rather than answers. So I ask myself when people say we should do something, I say, just to use it in the context of right now. All right, let's whatever power you want to give. Give it to Donald Trump. Whatever power you want to give the state or the government, tell me Tell me that Trump gets to decide and run that, and now tell me if you want to do that, right? So you, I think you should always assume that whatever policy, whatever power, whatever abilities you want to give the government, assume your worst political enemy gets that power. Uh-huh. And I think when you start to roll back like that, you say, you know what, maybe we shouldn't give the police so much power. Maybe we shouldn't give the state so much power to take kids away or state do do certain things because the IRS so much power to aggressively audit because because your political enemies can use that against you and we're, it's a constant seesaw so it's 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 more of a sort of an instinct where I'm constantly thinking a the government's be the best uh, group to do that and b if they are good at doing that somebody's going to use that like in a, in a negative, bad political way. And we've seen the Trump administration be like hit that note so many times. The corruption, the, the political sort of, you know, all of this stuff, people are grifting. I mean, if you give the budget huge budgetary powers, you know, they're going to use that to grift and, and, and reward their friends, and we've seen that. So I think the Trump administration is like one of those places where, you know, for years people have been saying, about my libertarianism, well, that's not really how it happens because we have good people in office. But now that Trump's here, I'm like, I told you guys, this is what happens. <laughs> Eventually, bad people get in office. We should not have a government this powerful because they're going to be able to do all sorts of fucked up shit. Do you, do you trust the people, though, to, the, to, to then assume that power? Because if we're taking it from the government, now we're going to people who are out here voting and don't even know who the person is they're voting for. So... I, I like to think about my libertarianism small scale growing to big scale. So the first stuff I want to accomplish in society is I want to I want to defeat the carceral police state that we have, right? So I think this is something that, um, you know, oftentimes libertarians and, and liberals talk about working together on this, and you even get some of the, the, the conservatives I just described before being in favor of it. That's how they got this, that, that – um, that act passed earlier this year or was last year didn't really do a lot, but it was a, it was it was the first real criminal justice reform we had seen in forever, right? Um, so start small, start local, uh, re- and and one of the the issues too is I don't want to malign um, you know there's a lot of bad cops, but I don't want to malign the institution of police because I think oftentimes uh, when you have a lot of laws, when you have a lot of regulations. They have to be policed, and so it, it becomes inherently conflicting with society. The police state comes becomes inherently conflicting with society when you just have a lot of government regulation, a lot of laws, a lot of restrictions. 
you're just naturally going to bump it. Even if you have just, even if your police force was 100% or 90% all good, you're just going to bump into conflict. And so, um, I want to reduce. I want to pull back some of those. Start with the local ones. I've told Dan before, like the easiest, lowest hanging fruit to help our economy and help depressed areas is pass a national act restricting states' abilities to do licensing, like over aggressive licensing on the pettiest of jobs, right? So you shouldn't need three years of schooling and a license to cut hair. You shouldn't need all that license to move furniture. You shouldn't need license to do – and so these are like, these are like the, 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 my libertarian where I feel very strongly on the local level. As you get bigger, it gets to gray area, right? So healthcare, you guys talked about healthcare earlier. Now, I don't think we need uh, – I don't, I don't think a single-payer system will work that great in this country, but I'm open to ways to talk about the federal government making sure people get uh, health care or affordable health care in a, in a cheap way. I don't think we need the government to nationalize a system like the UK, right? I think there are a lot – I think every country that has these different universal systems, they all approach it a little bit differently. Like in Germany has a for-profit system where you have some private and it's supplemented by the, government, the federal governments. So I think in a country like ours, I'm not opposed to talking about solutions where the federal government steps in and helps out and, do, and does things. But I think you've got to make sure it, it fits the type of country you have and makes sense. And so that's why when I say like – as you get bigger towards bigger problems, as a libertarian, I have a sensibility where I'm saying we should probably not go too aggressive there, but I'm willing to kind of work with everybody, right? It's a pluralist viewpoint. So, so what do you say to, because I know, you know, on the, when you said you was coming on the show and you said I'm coming to bring the libertarian view, a friend of mine, Terrence Grant said, oh, that's the same as Republican. So what do you say to somebody who say that libertarian? He said it's the same as conservative. So, yeah. So, Okay, so uh, Friedrich Hayek, who's a Nobel Prize winning economist, probably the most famous libertarian in, in the 20th century, um, he, one of his most famous essays is called Why I'm Not a Conservative, uh, even though a lot of the conservatives claim him as a uh, – American conservatives claim him as, a, as an intellectual grandfather because American conservatives tend to be more market-based and, and economic free, or, free market economically oriented, which is different than conservatives in other countries. But what he said not a conservative is because conservatism is, as I said before, it's always a relative position. You're trying to conserve something or like in Edmund Burke terms, move something very incrementally relative to where you are now in time and in country, right? Whereas a libertarian is going to hold immutable principles about liberty and freedom regardless of what time it is, right? So a conservatism in say Russia might look very different now or even in a hundred years ago than any American conservatism in history, right? Because they're thinking more about preserving the, 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 the monarchy, the, the emperor. They're going to be thinking more about sort of the, the nobility. They're going to think more about um, like the, the surf system and stuff like that. And so that's a different kind of preservation than say a 20th, 21st century like a Reaganite conservative who's like, we need to preserve markets because they've been important. We need to preserve the church because it's been an important factor. We need to pre preserve the, the nuclear family because that's going to be an important factor. And so conservatives never has like this sort of 100% this is what I stand for regardless of time and place. And so a libertarian 
views the world through the the lens of freedom versus coercion no matter what's going on in society so you know what regardless of if we've moved you know we've gone in the direction of Donald Trump or we've gone in the direction of if Bernie Sanders is our next president a libertarian is always going to hold those groups to sort of the same account regardless of time right, place. right or left. Yeah. okay so let me ask you this because you know boy before you came on we had started talking about as uh, Jamal said like the narrative of, of racism and conservatism and I know me and you spoke about this last night where you were talking about how there are different things that people want to conserve and you said uh, economic conservatism is different than social conservatism. So yeah. can you explain a little bit to, to yeah, so kind of explain how the races, the I racism got a, all wrapped up into that? So I think there's a there's a like I said, and you, like you said, what you said is like conservatism is just like okay, so but what are you trying to conserve, right? And so you know, Burkean conservatism, like this is the the, the, the grandfather conservative, and he's like, all right. You need to pick the things that have been most important to preserving civilization and everything else that's bad, you're moving incrementally to fix, right? So that's that sensibility. What we have right now is we have this weird split in all these people who are themselves conservative. And so what I, what I boil it down is there's really three branches. There's sort of the economic conservatives who are probably mostly more aligned with the libertarians. There's the social conservatives. So these are the people who... Uh, uh, believe that social structures like the nuclear family, the church, the local community, these are the things we need to preserve, um, and those are the things that, uh, that, the, that the left is trying to destroy, trying to make us more of a national group, you know, get rid of the church. And then you have this third group, which has become the most vocal and most powerful group among what I call the cultural conservatives. So these are the group that they don't have a lot a strong affinity to the economic conservatism. They don't really care about markets. That's why they're comfortable with Trump, you know, running these tariff programs and this trade war. But what they really fear, what they want to conserve is a racial and ethnic ethnic mix of America that they are fear that they fear is changing. And there's nothing there's nothing inherent in core conservatism. You can go back and read your Russell Kirk or your Hayek or Burke. There's nothing in that that says it's got to be ethnic. Locally, strong, strong speaking, are the ones who are focused on cultural conservatism rather than, say, the social or the economic conservatism. And that's why that, that's, that's the, the crazy thing that Trump did is he completely usurped the party by throwing aside all of that other stuff running these dudes, running Jeff Flake out of the party, running, you know, these social conservatives and focusing just on the core cultural, cultural conservatives. Yeah. It sounds like when you describe a, a cultural conservative, it sounds like white nationalism. Yeah, so think about it this way. So I, I saw so, so I, there's, like I said, I, I try to consume a big diet across the political spectrum. Um, and one of the things when that new Roseanne show came out, as I saw a lot of conservatives kind of really upset and in despair because they were like, they, these are people who are more social conservatives. So they might be sort of the, 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 the writers who write a lot about you know, the importance of family and Christianity and stuff. And they said, what I see there is nothing that caters to social conservatism at all, right? What I see is it's a show that caters to cultural conservatism, right? These are people who are you know, probably like traditionally old school Democrats, right? They're union type folks 
who uh, switched. You know, this is the, 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 the Obama-Trump voters, right, that we've seen. And so, um, and so I think you've got this war, and I think it's an interesting thing that, that has happened. And so, you know, as I've said, like, you know, I don't think anybody's, you know, don't try to change people from what they are. Just ask them to be the best version of what they are. As we've talked about that before. And so what I think we should do is we should be promoting those folks who see themselves as social conservatives and trying to discourage them, discourage the cultural conservatives. Because, well, that's great. Immigrants need help. The church believes in helping people. Let's, let's, let's align. Let's get the, you know, you see this with a lot of Catholic church. Let's get the Catholic church involved, the mainline presidents, not the evangelicals. Let's get them involved in helping out the immigrants, right? And so you can you synthesis synthesis there where you can actually work with them right but if you run into the culture conservatives they're like i don't want to help immigrants i don't want my country to look different than it is so it you know it's it it's a it's a weird civil war that's going on with their own movement and unfortunately trump caters really to just one strand of that group and that group has become ascendant and so you've seen a lot of these other guys they've been they've been pushed out of the party they've been marginalized you know they they get made fun of by trump and his tweets called them you know never trumpers and he attacks them worse than anybody and and so i don't know the answer i don't know if that that side of that will ever rise again um but it's there, there's a sliver of them still out there you know just sitting here to hear you break it down to different economic conservative social conservative culture as you were saying that I was thinking of just different people who I just look at as Republican but as he broke it down I was like they yeah, he's, down. Down. Right, he's right, here right. he's over here and I and I think that you're actually starting to see it in the Democratic Party as well between the Joe Biden Nancy Pelosi the Democrats versus the AOC mm -hmm. uh, Democrats so it, it seemed like we're in a transitional, transitional, unique area of parties, I guess. Well, but like Travis said, I think, like you said, I think we're in a part where we're going to have to find different ways to label these factions because it's, it's not just a big tent party no more. It's not just Republicans, they all follow this, and conservatives, they all follow this. It's not Democrats, they all follow this because mm -hmm. there's more moderate Democrats now, there's more progressive Democrats, and there's more conservative, There, and like you said, the faction of social conservatism, like, that's such a great way to break it down, yeah. too, because that puts it in a great perspective for people who are trying to understand where we are in this country right now, because I know a lot of people are really lost yeah. in regards to, like... Like I, I'm, I'm for conservatism, but I'm not for the shit Trump's saying. So if I call myself a conservative, people are gonna think I'm racist. Yeah, you know and, what I mean. And, and, yeah. and, and then we have a, a black man saying he's conservative. Everybody's going like, "Hell wrong with you?" So, <laughs> but when you break it down, because because I, I talk, I have an uncle that's Republican, but it's strictly it, he's a social. According to your definition, yeah. it would be a social conservative. It's all about church, the religious aspect, the things uh, uh, of that nature. And then I, I have another, I have a mentor who's a conservative as far as the economy. So as you were saying it, I was actually putting people in different categories. I was like, oh, so because when folks, I, I think because, because 
folks feel like they have to pick an either or, there's nothing in the middle, then you just have, well, okay, well, I've got to defend Trump. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> it's, it's a... It, the, it's an interesting perspective from my standpoint because, I, I mean, I've been a libertarian for a long time, so I, I don't really get a political party, right? So I've always been kind of the third dude on the side, kind of just looking at a distance without having too much invested in either group. Either I mean, side. I've changed – I've literally changed my registration almost every election back and forth just because I'm like, ah, that, I don't like them right now. I'll switch. And then, like, I'm like, oh, well, I don't like what they're saying. I, like, I don't like them. So, I'm, I mean, I'm a Democrat right now, but, like, you know, as a, as a libertarian, you kind of get a – you kind of get a view, and, and a lot of libertarians have traditionally voted Republicans because you had the Paul Ryan types who were helping push through more libertarian uh, type legislation, but there was never any like affinity with the with the true conservatism of it. Libertarians right. weren't trying to like we weren't looking in the past to try to conserve something. We were just like, oh, these guys will will work with us on economics. Um, the more but now that that's now that Republican Party has jettisoned all of that, right? I mean, I'm watching. I'm sitting here watching a trillion dollar deficit, uh, uh, a trade war with tariffs like bigger than what Bernie ever proposed putting on tariffs, and and uh, and bailouts bigger than what you know bigger than anything ex- except the, the 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 financial ones that Obama did for the. For the for the farms, and I'm just like looking at this in horror, going, "This is a horror show." Like this this party that kind of at least played lip service to um, libertarian economics side side for for a long time has just kicked all of that stuff to the curb. So the, there's really no home for the libertarians right now, and so you kind of you kind of just step back and you say, "Well, wh- which side is going to seem more sensible, right?" And so for me, especially because libertarian who is also a person of color like i'm just jettisoning i'm there's i don't get to make a decision based on economics right now i have to vote straight line democrat because of the racial issues and hopefully hopefully the democrats will either shift on economics or the republicans will get control of the racism problem and then i can feel a little bit more affinity to either side but right now i've basically just been run away from a party not towards a party Right. Yeah, I, I, I tell you where Trump is smarter. Now that I, I've heard his breakdown, he has made this about culture conservatives, and because we all we've been trying to figure out why are these people voting against their own interests as far as economics, e- economics. Mm-hmm. But now it makes sense because we like, like you got poor white folks. Like his tax cuts don't help you. Like we, we're trying. But now it makes sense because what, what he have done is if I can make this about the culture conservatives, and that's all y'all waving about, y'all don't know that I got you voting against your own interest, self-interest, yeah, your own self-interest on the economy. So, so that he's taking advantage of the ignorance. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't agree with that right there. Well, say we talk about tariffs, and then everybody they phrases tariffs, they frame tariffs as automatically bad because they have a negative effect once implemented. But they're supposed to be long-term policies. Like there's, there are things that will help five or ten years from now because since we're not outsourcing such and such to China or wherever, then eventually if we're going to keep hand in that industry, we're going to have to bring them back here 
So those, those industries are going to have to build back up in America instead of seeing the bottom of everything say made in China, which is almost everything. But, but the problem so with it's that, a, though, it's, it's hurt at first. It's like if you want to tear down your house and then you tear down your house, but you have a plan to build a bigger house there. People will say, "Yo, look at you think of that house you tore down." Right, right. <laughs> but the issue I find with that is working in an industry now, especially solar, where a lot of the materials that we procure are from China, mm-hmm. um, and the reality is is that the way the United States is moving will never bring those industries back to this country. I mean, I'm, I'm quite sure. And it's just because we have green policies in place that don't allow us to get to that point where our air is going to be that as bad as it is in China. Because China's taking a huge hit. Yeah, they're for, for create, They're an industrial country mm-hmm. now. And so... And India. With, with that said, they've taken from our page, you know, because that's where we were at one point. And they're saying, okay, you guys don't want to do it. We'll build it, sell it to you for cheap, and then we can work together. But what Trump has done is made it for an industry like ours where we don't know day-to-day what something will cost. You know, So we'll buy a module today at $0.39 cent a watt, which is roughly for doing you know, 100 watts, let's just say. Yeah, it's $390. Bucks. But, um, well, no, no, $3.90, so we're doing much more than that. But what it does is it creates tension in the industry where now we're, we're basically chopping each other off at the head to try to compete to get the few resources that are available that haven't been affected by the tariffs because we were getting vendors coming in in March and February like bah, bah, need to buy everything now because mm-hmm. once Trump's uh, tariffs start to hit it's going to you know it's going to double it's going to triple and so we then had to take a huge chunk of our finances and invest in things that we normally can hold off on we don't even have contracts on some of these things but we have to procure material. Mm-hmm. And so, with that said, taking from that huge nest egg, we now have to lay people off on this side. We have to then, you know, sort of shrink the entire company just to fit a rule that may or may not even exist come three or four years now. You know, I, know, I don't know the, the length of these tariffs, but the reality is, is that he's just created so much uncertainty that people are now risking their businesses to try to compete. And also the tariffs mm-hmm. don't just affect stuff coming in to fix stuff right, right. going out of right. course as well. I mean, yeah. Part of the thing is so I, I disagree that tariffs actually are an effective tool anyways. I mean what you see what happens this week. Um, te- textbook econ one oh one, you implement tariffs, the other con- country if, if country A implements tariffs on uh, against imports coming from country B, country B's currency will fall. Right. And you've seen that and then now Trump's trying to name him a uh, China a currency manipulator which it doesn't fit any of the definitions, but this is going to prove a problem because the trade deficit is going to grow even more, which it has. So the yeah. trade deficit is much bigger now mm-hmm. than it was under uh, Obama, under Obama um, or, or it's been at all. And, I don't, and I'm not even that worried about a trade deficit that we send them. They, they have to send it back, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Dollars don't spend anywhere else, so they send it back in the form of investment. So, um, so I'm not really worried about that. But I think that the real problem with it as a – as a policy tool, even if it did theoretically work, is the, 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 the companies globally between um, uh, the Asian markets and here and the European markets where he's implementing are so integrated mm-hmm. that you would have to discre- – you would have to incur – I mean this is 30 years of capital expenditures, right? Like uh, <laughs> who who – who is the number one manufacturer of automobiles in America, Ameri- like on our soil? Mm-hmm. 
it's, it's like Toyota, right? right. Yeah. Like, Which is who is genuine. the number one manufacturer of luxury cars in America? It's BMW. It's a German company, right? Global markets are so integrated that it, it's really hard to even say, you know, we're putting tariffs on this country's company because global companies now aren't even really, I mean, they don't really, they have a, a headquarters somewhere, but they're so integrated. I mean, just anecdotally from my standpoint, I'm the U.S. head, I work in the U.S. headquarters of a subsidiary of a Japanese company that have to talk to not people from other con companies on different continents every day, but literal colleagues in my same team and group who are in different offices around the world. And that's pretty typical of any of the Fortune 500. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that smaller businesses aren't affected by that. But we've we American business and, and, and global business, the ones that are actually doing most of this exchange cross border are so large and so global that in order for those tariffs to actually work, you would have to really cause pain for the next 20 or 30 years of CapEx because you're reversing stuff that started that, that conversation should have had in 1977, right? Like the, once the 80s started and you started getting Japanese companies acquiring and building plants in America, Americans building plants in China, building plants in Europe, you know, that that conversation is so long sailed that it would just take us Megan, I'm gonna, it'd take us $30 trillion of CapEx to reverse that to Jesus. kind of bring stuff back um, because that's like – because you're, you're talking about stuff that started in the 80s. I don't know if we're necessarily talking about thingy, bringing things back, like, like how Trump would say, making America great again, bringing back industry per se. But I feel like if, if, there, if there's something that we need to do, then there's ways that we can innovate doing those things. So of course we have a like a greener we have policies that limit us from doing certain things as far as industrially like like he uh, he was saying but that doesn't mean we have to do it that way again <laughs> we that's how I feel like innovation comes when free market challenges it when when you need something done and this is the baseline you figure out how to get it done by the baseline if, whether it's automation or however it's going to work and it's not saying that I know how it's going to work but I'm also saying that I don't think it's going to go back to what it was I think it's going to be something that I didn't imagine but it has to become that yeah that's fair I mean I'm just like I said I'm I, I think the market work I think the global markets work pretty well uh, at boosting uh, I won't deny is that the free global market presents structural challenges for a lot of people in industries in America that their job does might get outsourced, right? So there, some companies are bringing jobs in, some companies are bringing jobs out on net, some small town in Ohio or somewhere, you know, workers in Gary, Indiana, they might be losing jobs. So that's pain that we can deal with through, a po through policy prescriptions, but I don't think we need to stop free flow of market of goods and services through tariffs or change that we should deal with re-education and training on a policy rather than interfering with the market i mean and that's that's a very libertarian sort of stance right. but i would rather the market work grow provide economic growth you know wealth for america and then deal with the consequences the painful consequences of people who lose their jobs through industry or automation or outsourcing 
through supporting those through maybe redistribution or retraining right. or something like that. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a solution. It's a it's a post facto solution, but it it it, it I I prefer to address it that way than slapping twenty five percent tariffs on cars coming from Europe or on our partners. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. You know, I have my my libertarian friend here and my conservative buddy here. This next election is coming up, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Anxiety, immediate anxiety, right? I I, I was talking to Travis and I said I feel like this is the first election in my adult life that I don't get I feel like I don't get to really vote based on policy or even vote based on the candidate that I really probably like the most I feel like I'm forced to vote for the candidate that's going to beat Trump because Mm -hmm. like I don't want to sound like it's hyperbole but I literally feel like this next election is for the soul of America and like who we like are we going to continue to be this old racist America and go deeper and farther than that or are we going to be a little more progressive and get away from that and try to just stabilize you know back to what America at least was when Obama was in office like it wasn't perfect it wasn't great but it was better than it is now especially culturally so how 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 do how do we deal with that? How do we deal with what's coming? Like you watching debates and you like, oh, I like Liz Warren, yeah. But all the polls say Biden can beat him in a landslide. You know what I mean? So I understand that anxiety because I'm having it too. Except it's not. I feel like I have to vote against Trump. Like I don't think I think if Trump has a second term, I don't think we're all going to die. But I do want the Democratic Party to have a, a candidate that makes sense, and I don't think that. <laughs> I don't think there is one right now. I think Biden's like he's obviously gonna win. Like the only thing he's missing is for Obama to say, "Look, there's Joe Biden," and then yeah. Joe Biden wins. <laughs> um, I, my pick would be like Pete Buttigieg, but he's not doing anything, and everybody else is progressive. Like Warren, Kamala Harris does whatever anybody says, like whatever's popular. Cory Booker too, and then Elizabeth Warren. It's like. I, I, instead of having the anxiety of having to vote against Trump, I feel like it might be the first time since I've been an adult that I don't vote. <laughs> mm. I, like I for me, uh, <laughs> like I said, the the numbers say Biden's going to win, but I like Elizabeth Warren's policies. Polling is still mm-hmm. early. Yeah, for one, it is. But two, add Bernie and Liz Warren's numbers together. And they, they, they put them ahead of Biden. So the problem oh. is Bernie's old ass won't drop out. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I got, I, got, yeah. I got a lot of negative views on Bernie. I mean, I, I, so, so to answer your question, I think a lot, I think any of the top five or six will be Trump. Trump has had problems getting his approval ratings above 43% for the last year, two years. So... I think a lot of them could beat Trump. Um, who I think, who I think probably would 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 be the best. Um, and again, I think that it's, it's just like every Democrat out there has like something that's really sort of a a, a, a big flaw for me, right? right? So like Biden, it's not even it's not even as like policy stuff he's before you even get to that the dude's 76 years old man like 
I've never knew I've never known a seventy six years old person that can handle a job like the presidency. It's just it's 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 that, crazy. That's why I've been saying that we have to kind of go into this as I mean if if, if the goal is to vote Trump out, you're probably going to have to have Biden almost kind of influencing the to, to pick the BP up. Because I don't think Biden would be a two-term president. No. For, 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 he's not going to be president at 84. And he's not going to be the guy running the day-to-day yeah. like Obama was. You know, Obama was young and, and fit and healthy. So, and so, and it wore on him and exhausted him. That, yeah. granny. Yeah, and that's where I think if Biden become president, I think you would see the Paul Ryan and those guys tend to come back because Biden is a reach across the aisle type of guy. That because he he, he goes back with him that whole John McCain era. That's yeah. that, that's how they did things back then. So I think that probably the most important thing with Biden as or, or whoever well specifically Biden because of his age is that. Making sure that the DNC knows that who the person we we would want to to be Biden VP because Biden is not going to be a, a two term. Yeah, two-term. and you know, and, and and also, and you know, to to Travis's point, said polling is really really early. It's changing. It's like really been really fickle. Yeah, you remember Obama was down double digits. This right. early on, this, yeah. This early on. He, so he had, uh, yeah, a little low name recognition. Um, I don't know that there's anybody who's in Obama's mold though coming through. Um, well, the, the 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 big flaw that I like, you know, how you said everybody had a flaw. The biggest flaw to me for Elizabeth Warren was I just didn't know if she would be up for the fight when it came to going head on with Donald Trump. Like I don't know if she could get nasty enough because you need somebody to get down, but. She's been getting stronger, which is why I like these primaries that everybody seems to be so scared of. I like these primaries because I've been seeing her getting stronger with each debate, each town hall. I've seen her getting a little more ballsy. I've seen her getting a lot more aggressive. I, I, I want to see her with that second night group, though. Yeah. She have not been with the second night group. Because she, they haven't put her on stage with Biden yet. Yeah, yeah, and, right. and, and Kamala. So I got to see her because, I mean, polls are shocked. People want someone who they feel that can stand up to Trump. If it if it looked like Trump, and, and I, I, to me, although Hillary was killing him with facts, it came off like he 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 bullied her. He pretty much like talked to her. He he, he got his points across. She didn't really counter. She just laughed and thought, "Oh, yeah, I would never but vote the, for this." She, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> she thought she was good. Yeah, like, she, she was like, 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 no. Well, she thought it. I'm just letting him go and just self-destruct. And people and. And, and how that came off, I always tell folks about the, the story of when um, Nixon and Kennedy debated on TV. People who watched it thought Nixon won. Mm-hmm. People who heard it on the radio thought Kennedy won the debate. Hmm. So that really matters how you come off looking on TV, whether or not you come off strong. So like like Dame said, I've been call- like I like Elizabeth Warren too, but I have to see her against. The big dogs when when they coming at her, how how, how she how she's able to counter because yeah, and also I wanted to talk to you about this, uh, Travis. Um, you know we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but.
but um, growing up as a, as a mixed kid, and you, I know you said you had like your set of black friends that you hung out with, and then you also had like a set of white friends when you ended up in high school. How was it navigating your identity in that manner? And then how was it when you were like with somebody you considered a friend or somebody you know who would say some bad racist shit in front of you because they didn't know you was black? Yes, I mean I I didn't I didn't keep a lot of those friends around, but yeah. So I mean when I when I grew up when I was real young, um, so elementary school, um, middle school, I, most of my friends probably two thirds were, were black, one third white, and then it kind of flipped when I went to high school just because sheer numbers, right? There was just a lot more kids there, big high school. Um, but the, the 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 thing I was telling you about is like. It wasn't like I had all these friends and we all kind of hung out together. Like it was, was like really segregated, right? Yeah. So like I had I hung out with like black friends like part of the time, and then I'd go switch and hang out with white friends, and then like the, the two never like ever came together. It was right. like this weird thing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, so I've always struggled with, um, and I use that word uh, knowing the full connotations of it. Struggle with sort of my racial identity um, because I've. I've never really felt all like black. I mean, I can look at myself in the mirror and look to see what it looks like, despite the fact that you know I'm I'm legally black. And I've never really felt white because I'm obviously a person of color. Like I can look at my my family, I can feel inside of me. And so it's a it's this. I've always had a very weak sort of racial identity right so when we all think about our identities we there's like different things we pull in right like i'm a father i'm a i'm american i'm you know black i'm from you know this country or like i'm nigerian you know we pull in different things and i've the things that i've pulled in from my identity the 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 race side of it which usually is one of the top three to five things people think about when they think about their identity, it's always been a little bit weaker for me than I think most people because I never really felt all the way in one community or another. Right. And like like I said, like when I would be playing, I'd be at midnight basketball and I'm the lightest one there like in the 90s and I got called Cracker all the time, right? <laughs> like there was like, he was like, what you doing here, Cracker? And I'm like, y'all know who my mom is, right? Like, but then you go to high school and people telling like, all kinds of racist jokes. The white folks, like who don't know, who didn't realize like that I was black. So like, it was like this weird thing where um, my close friends, everybody was cool on both sides, but the broader community, like I never felt all the way in yeah. one or the other on either side. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's really interesting. And you know, I often hear that a lot because I, I, I you know, we see arguments where people like, even if you mix, you black, you just black. And I hear a lot of biracial kids, they say, that's not how it feels to be biracial, though. Like, that's not how it is. Like, I identify with the white side of my family, and, you know, that that's a part of me. I identify with my black side. Even though the country's going to say that I'm black, I still don't all the way identify that way. Even though, like, you know, you know how to talk about black issues. You know how to talk about black struggles. You know how to talk about all that. But then, like you said, you also, in a crowd, you don't fit in in the traditional manner. So that means your black experience is going to be a hundred percent different than my black experience, yeah, just by sheer visuals, right? And then 
on top of that, you add visual, and you ask where you where you came from, where you grew up with, and who you grew up with. So your black, like you have a very unique American experience. It's 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 it is kind of interesting, like because because especially when you start hanging out, like if if I'm hanging out with one side or the other, you can almost forget about the other side in certain ways because like if you're to your close friends, you just sort of get accepted. So I'll be hanging out with like all my black friends. And you know, you almost forget that I'm like mixed. It's like I'm black. Like this is my people. This is my family. You know. And then you go to, you know, in the '90s, I'm gonna date myself a little bit. You go to a JT Money concert, and JT Money's up on stage going, "Oh, my white boy out there!" Like, and, and I'm like, "Who's he talking about?" And then you realize he's talking about you, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, damn!" Uh, like, and everybody yeah. in the crowd, like, and you realize, like, you, 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 my skin, I, I look different, like, you know, so. But the you know the one thing too is why like a lot of mixed um, kids don't want to be, and by the way that comes on both sides right. So like I get I've, I get told like nah you you know you you mix you black like it's, it's on your birth certificate. But then you then I also get it. I used to get it from you know white folks in high school and in college. And it's like well I don't really see you that way you know oh, because yeah. you, you know, so you, you get it on both sides but what I what I, what I feel is when people tell me they don't recognize my true mixedness is that they're erasing one of my parents oh. and I love both my parents right mm-hmm. so when when you tell you know and I don't know if I don't know I know some other mix some of my close mixed friends have, have said they felt the same way but I, and I don't know how Barack felt but when everybody just said Barack's our first black president I'm like, does he ever feel like people are erasing his moms? Like, I just wonder. You know what I mean? Like, because, and I don't know if all mixed people feel this way, but I've definitely felt that, and I've talked to others who have felt that way. Yeah, he was was also raised by his white grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I definitely, but, you know, I think in many cases, they just kind of go how people treat them. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to go with the race. That's, yeah. That, that. well, you gonna treat me like a black man? Well, yeah, treat me like this. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, because I've got mixed friends who definitely look a lot darker than me, and the police aren't differentiating, you know, whether or not they're full or, you know, right, mm-hmm. so. right, right. Yeah, like, no, I, I think it's a very interesting thing, but and especially in, in today's climate, you know, and and and, and it's, it's weird too, man, because you know how we always talk about like, what would we do? Back in the civil rights days, <laughs> and I feel like we kind of there. We kind of got a chance to see what you would do, yeah, what kind of person you're gonna be, what kind of. We get we get the diet coke version. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> now, about that. I always say coke like coke black version, people today missed the civil rights. Not missed it like I missed it. I wanted to come back, but we missed it like we weren't there. <laughs> you know, in our age group. But we grew up in school, like learning all these things, like every day. Black History Month. For Martin Luther King's the greatest person that ever lived. You know, Rosa Parks did this, and I felt like I feel like it's a, a lot of the things that happen today are kind of escalated by that, where you have these, where like you have these black people around my age who feel like it's their moment to have a civil rights moment, and they're, they're pushing for it. Well, I don't think that is that you push for. I think it's kind of like we've been forced into it, like. Like, honestly, if you think about it, for so long, we have been saying there's systemic racism. Mm -hmm. There's systemic racism. There's systemic policies that are keeping us from, you know. And now, 
we are finally breaking through to the point where it's become a national conversation. Like this is literally within the last five years that the first time that systemic racism, that police brutality and black people has become a national conversation. Reparations. Reparations. First time that's all become a national. So I don't think it's that we like, oh, I'm looking for my moment for it's like, yo, if we gonna have a breakthrough, we gonna have to start pushing that line. Because for so long, and this is one of the reasons I was glad Hillary didn't win, and I tell Quincy this all the time, for so long, black people was rocking with the status quo. It was bad, but it just wasn't bad enough. We was cool, but it, you know what I'm saying? Like we could we could operate, we could survive. Like we knew it was bullshit. But we can make it through. We can survive. But now we're starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, we're not going to even be able to operate businesses no more. Like, we're not going to even be able to operate under the radar. Like, we used to, like, yeah, we know there's racism. We know that we got to be, you know, your parents got to tell you, you got to be two times better than everybody else. Uh, you know, like, all the things you have to do just to get into college. Um, all those shit we have to do to finagle for financial aid. Like, you think about those things that we think about as the norm, but then you talk about, Talk to your wife, for instance, with the college. Like that shit is not the experience, mm-hmm. right? These are things that we have normalized because it's like a normalized part of the black experience. Now, once you start to feel like like you understand that that shit is not normal and it's not normalized, it's like okay, it's time to press that line. Especially for our generation, who like my kids can be like this for my kids, which I'm sure I feel the civil rights movement felt like that. Mm-hmm. It was just on a much larger scale. <clears throat> yeah. But now the difference is you had overt racism and we were so used to just casual racism yeah. for all this time like we just dealt with casual racism as in a woman holding her purse tight and yeah. by a woman like we yeah, were used yeah. to that casual racism but now we to the point where somebody just told my wife Saturday go back to Africa nigger so it's not us wanting that moment it's that line has been pushed on the other side making us have to say okay we gotta step up and we gotta push that line now yeah we haven't dealt with this boldness our generation, so 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 we're we're seeing people, and we're like, "Are you really talking to me like this?" Like, you know. <laughs> and so, I was I was talking to a uh, she was she was she told she would tell me her age, but she was in her seventies, and she said she said you know, Trump, and she, and she was very casual because it was like, "Oh, I've seen this before," <laughs> you know. Me, I'm like, "This motherfucker is crazy." <laughs> She's like, he reminded me of a Wallace. I said, who, who is Wallace? She said, he he was a uh, he was either the governor of Mississippi, Mississippi. or uh, Alabama. I said, George, George Wallace of Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> because because me, I like I read about him. I, I I've studied, but for somebody to know to, she was probably my age around that time when he was running for president. And she was like, "Yeah, that's who." She said, "He sound, he sound like Wallace." She said, "That's a, that's a, that that." Uh, but it was like, "Oh yeah, I've seen this before." Well, right. me, I'm like, "This, this shit is hell? outrageous. This shit yeah. is crazy." Yeah. And so, I, t- I said, "So back then, I said because he was a he was a Democrat, George Wallace, segregation now, segregation, mm-hmm. whatever. Forever, he, yeah, yeah he, he, he was a Democrat." I said, "But then you had Richard Nixon." The Republican, like I said, how did y'all vote back then? Yeah, she was like, "Oh, whoever agreed with Kennedy, whoever agreed really? with Kennedy, who, who, whoever." <laughs> it, 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 I said, "So that's why 
when you was young, when I was young, it was like Jesus, Martin Luther King, and Kennedy, and, Kennedy. <laughs> and Black House, and, and Black House. That was Obama. That's why yeah. yeah. they had because, Obama. Because, my mom's because, house. Because, like, she because pictures of Obama than us. Because, because <laughs> yeah. So 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 that that's when because you always heard people talk about how Ronald, I mean how uh, Dr. King, a lot of blacks voted Republican back then because the Southern Democrats was going for obvious reasons, and then also. Uh, I was told that you know they only knew Abraham Lincoln Republican freed slaves. That's it. That's all. And, and back then, you know, people didn't really go more in depth about like that's all they kind of knew. Abraham, mm-hmm. like they didn't have Google where they could break down why you freed the slaves. You know, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they were pretty much limited to the books. Yeah, well, they we was talking. And, and we know who wrote those. So, though, really. so, yeah. so <laughs> it, it, it was interesting to hear. Heard just casually talk about and compare Trump to George to Wallace. George Wallace, and I'm like, oh shit! That's when he hit me like, oh, we are really in a different league. I think that's an extreme comparison. I don't. <laughs> well, well, I can't say it. You, you, you wasn't. I, I'll go. I'll go say something. Even, I'll go say something even more controversial. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm be a little provocative here. Trump is worse than Wallace, and here's why. Wallace ran all ran that segregation out. That was a '72 campaign, right? Yeah. He didn't get the nomination, um, but he did have the crowds. Uh, McGovern ended up getting the nomination. Wallace actually later repented all that yeah, shit. Yeah, he did. After he got shot, and, yeah, he did. And hired and hired more black cabinet members mm-hmm. in the state government sure than did. anybody. Before, behind, since then, up to then, and since then, and so he, he he gets look the shit he said was bad. He's a evil. He was evil, but he gets a little bit of a silver lining repentance. And Trump is seventy three years old. That dude is well, gonna I, die I, before I, he's yeah, ever yeah, able yeah, to well, repent. Well, 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 I was I was getting ready to say by Trump age, George Wallace had already yeah. Like, tur- That's tur- what I'm saying though. I, Trump says some stupid stuff. But I don't feel he like he says extremist stuff like separation, <laughs> uh, segregation forever. Well, he don't say those exact words. I think he says extreme stuff in other ways though, like. Uh, but I think it's always a battle of context, like how we talked about. Well, uh, was he talking about illegal immigrants or all brown people? It's just always a battle of context. But I don't think it's a battle of context. See, this is the thing, I and this is the thing. a more dangerous game. Yeah, I think people try to. I think people who want to support Trump mm-hmm. try to dance around his words and make his like if you take him what he say at face value you have to take it at face value you can't mm-hmm. say like you can't make the context of what you want if he said Mexicans are bringing rapists and like that's what he said how can the we Mexican contextualize like, well he said Mexican he wasn't talking about all so, of the, so what so what so what the, the way they're always able to dance around it and I agree and and, and I would I would be charitable if it were one or two incidents, but the, you 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 add them all together. The way you would dance around, like the Mexico comments, is remember the line right after that. It was and some I presume are good people, right? And so they're like, see, he said some are good people, and you're just like, okay, you gonna let him off the hook, like you right. know, with that? Or even um, there's good on both sides, yeah, Nazis. But yeah, but Trump, but Trump goes too. back. That's why I'm like there's. You guys feel like there's a lot of things that you take for face value, and then when I look at them, if 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 you're saying if here's the thing, and I would be charitable if there were one or two things, if you've said 
30 or 40 times in the last two years that's out of context maybe the maybe the context is the 30 or 40 times <laughs> <laughs> no I think I think everything he says is put on a, a board to be chopped he, he people were saying Jews would not replace us how, how is who are the people the, the people that was marching in, in Charlottesville that he said there were good people on both sides how was that taken out of context because in the full context, he said white supremacy and neo-Nazism is bad. What happened to people there at that party? And he's talking about the people who were protesting to keep uh, whoever statue, I forget, I'm sorry. The, the protests in general were people were uh, protesting to keep the statue, people were protesting to tear it down. On the other side of that, there's actual neo-Nazis and white supremacists backing to keep the statue. Like... One side lumps all of those people together and said everybody protesting to keep the statue is there with the neo Nazis and the white supremacists. So when he but said they were but they were even if they were there with the neo Nazis and the white supremacists. Yeah, they, I mean, I mean, yes, they were. They were there I mean, with them. I mean, like, even, yeah, if, even if you say they don't hold those beliefs, I don't agree. It, it was the neo Nazis who organized the rally. So no, so I so I will I'll agree we're that there were about, there were people who showed up who thought they were just protesting the statue, mm-hmm. but. But I think that. The, but again, so if if that was like one thing, where we were just like, oh, he just that was like the craziest misspeak ever. Like you could give him a bit of doubt, but it's just it's it's a repeated. It's too many yeah, and I so I think I think no, that has to become one misspeak and we tear it down. I feel like I feel like most of it is like intellectually dishonest. Like, like just, what? Like 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 tell me. Like so so so. Because, because, because we got two Trumps. We got teleprompter Trump, and then we got Trump at his rallies. And on Twitter. And, and on Twitter. Now, teleprompter Trump will say what he said the other day. Uh, right? We, we will condemn all white supremacy. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Rally Trump, we're going to shoot immigrants, and he laughs. And you can't tell me that's out of context. No, I don't think it was out of context. I think it was a bad when joke. He said, you, when he said... You, you, you gonna talk that up to a bad joke? Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Like, yeah, you give I mean, him... I mean, I mean well, you, okay, you're not holding besides, him accountable. I say it's a bad joke, yeah. and you say he wants people to go shoot people. I, I no, just, I didn't say that. I, okay, I just no, think... What do you say? Okay, okay, okay. When, 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 when a woman start calling John McCain... I mean, start calling Obama a terrorist. Mm-hmm. What did John McCain do? Because... There were many people that was believed that at that rally. What did John McCain do? He stopped them. He corrected. Trump has never corrected anybody. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, even that uh, send her back stuff. He 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 knows exactly what he what he's doing. Does Trump come across to you as the person who would correct somebody that did something that Trump come across as a uh, what's the word? He's a demigod. He comes across to me as like a stand-up comedian. No, he comes no, across. He's a president. That's what I'm saying. You can't like you. You know everything that absolves people alive. You know oh, people alive in danger. That's why I always end up defending Trump because I feel like there's this extreme lens put on him, and everybody chops everything. But that's the that's 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 the presidency. Like, sure, sure, and I agree. But 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 but, also, but I feel like the narrative but, is just going to get. But okay, okay, okay. But is it? But my thing is, you can't. Here's call a it, good example. Wait, wait. Can you call it spin if he's actually saying? Okay. Shit? Here's a good example. The, the the shooting that happened in El Paso. 
right? You literally had Beto O'Rourke go on TV and say he thinks Trump is a white nationalist. Okay. okay. And these those that's a perfectly normal thing to you. Like yeah. it's not intellectually this no, so You think you what, Trump believes in the separation of state by color? Yes. Yes. Uh, because, we, because, he, because check the time. <laughs> Here's the, de- the definition of a demigod: a political leader who seeks support by appealing to the desires and prejudice of ordinary people. Rather than by using rational argument, it's not Trump. No. Wait. Say, read it one more time. A person, who a, a, po- to a, po- a political leader who seeks the support by appealing to the desires and prejudice of ordinary people, rather than by using rational argument. That sounds like. That sounds like politics today. <laughs> so politics today. Okay. It sounds like everybody. Like, no. So no. I, I, I'm gonna get. Well, I'm it, like, it sounds like. It sounds like. Like. No, he says stuff particularly because he know it riles up his racist base. So he know he he knows exactly like 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 Obama is not from here. I don't think he's that clever. But so I so I'll, so here's, here's, here's here's where I'll, here's where I'll, here's where I try to bridge a, a little bit of what you're saying, although I mostly disagree. But I'll bridge a little bit of what you're saying. I don't think Trump has any super high theories about race, right? Yeah, don't either. Um, I I think he's got like that standard old boomer racism. Like you know, we we know he got sued by the housing authority for discriminating against black. We know he didn't want to rent to blacks. I think that's like that standard old white boomer racism. I don't think he's got deep thoughts about race like a Richard Spencer or something like that, right? No, but Richard Spencer but, is a white nationalist. But but said, but but here's they just said Richard Spencer and Donald Trump yeah, same But here's 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 <laughs> but here's where here's where Trump know. doesn't get credit for me because it, it's the rule of goats, right? And I'm gonna tell you guys what that is too. It's a little bit nasty, but it's a rule of goats. You can Google, Google it uh, if when you guys want. But um and it goes back to like what Ryan Gilliam had said about DeSantis. I, I don't think Trump's got some super complex theory of race, but I think Trump believes his followers are racist, and so I think he plays that up. That go back to being a Democrat. And so, so I think Trump is like, I'm going to play this up. I'm going to let it ride. He may not. He thinks it's politically feasible. We 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 get the reporting that Trump says he thinks this is a winning issue for him. Um, my response is even okay. Even if you can back off and say, "Well, he's not as racist as some of the as the people he's trying to rally up at his rallies," you know, that's he's just doing that for political expediency. Then the rule of goats comes in. Now, the rule of goats was 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 come up by uh, this blogger named Ken White. He does a lot of legal blogging and podcasts for KCRW. It basically says, even if you even if you Joke or ironically, if you fuck a goat, you still you still a goat fucker. <laughs> Even if you're doing it ironically, you're still a goat fucker. <laughs> and that's what it is. Like and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like even if you say like, oh, I don't think he has high. Even if we just chalk it up to just old school racism, at the baseline, if we chalk up what he do to old school racism at the baseline, you have the most powerful person in the world is an old school racist. Who's stoking I'll that racism? Old right, but but there's a difference in being an old school racist, but being an old school racist and 
passing and trying to pass policy under that racism. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's who, the, the policy I don't see. Who, who, who was the person? Wait, what you mean the policy you don't see? I don't see racist policy. So, by all Muslims is not a racist policy? Ban all Muslims? That's literally what he said. Like, you can't walk that back and say that's out of context. He said Donald Trump said ban all Muslims? He did. Yes. <laughs> Okay. That's why it got struck down in court. The, 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 the initial order got struck down in court because if he had said, we're going to block, we're going to ban entry from these dangerous countries, right? He probably could have got that, that executive yeah. order passed. But the judge said, it, the judge asked the DOJ, is this a Muslim ban? Because that sounds illegal. And the DOJ said, no, 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 it's not a Muslim ban. And they're like, well, the judge is like, well, I'm reading this tweet where Donald Trump says yeah, it's, it's my Muslim ban. And so that, that's why that first order got struck down in court because he called it a Muslim ban. And the thing is, who did he have as the main person of his campaign? Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. A white nationalist. I don't so, know much about Steve Bannon. Yeah, Steve Bannon, Breitbart, uh, white nationalists. Yeah. They're white nationalists. That's why, I mean, you gotta, why else do you think Trump just came out the blue? Well, let me tell you, like, that's why I say I always, I spend a lot of time Here defending Trump. And I, th this is why I think it happens. Because when I look at the media stuff, I look at them putting a spotlight on what's something that I think is the, I'm sorry, I'm this, on the smallest, or not, maybe they're not small, or maybe they're, they're just not what they're painting them as. You know what I mean? But well, oh, and so now you, it makes me look at everything like, if, are they do, do they just always do this? Is it always something like, for instance, like uh, the New York Times printed yeah, their was Trump calls for unity versus racism. I'm like, that's not really what happened. But people were mad about it. So what's the what's the narrative? Well, dude, because it, you also got to understand, Trump has talked with a forked tongue a lot of his presidency. So you. You can't get on TV one day and say, I'm Kill against racism. And just last week, you were telling four American to go back to the country they came from, which is like the oldest racist trope that we all know since little kids. Go back to Africa, go back to Mexico, go back to wherever you're from. Like, he's never told anybody else who was his political opponent that's Greek descent, Jewish descent. He never told Bernie Sanders to go back. He only told that to women of color to go back. So you can't say, I think people just put in the spotlight as if he's not actually doing this shit. Like, it'd be different if he wasn't actually doing it. it would, it'd be different if he didn't have a white nationalist as his campaign manager. It's not like it wasn't hidden. It wasn't a secret. And think about it. When, when, when he talks to certain races, he use, he's consistent with his wording. Confessed like, that's like, a that, that was a, no, a big narrative. Dude, dude that's not no. a big narrative. It, it's <laughs> do, do you pay attention to any behavior patterns? You yeah. got to look at his behavior patterns. They call New Hampshire infested. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay attention to... to, to so if it, it, like, he called New Hampshire infested. He says he said San Francisco was a despicable place. Calif like, in California. Like, so he just attacks anybody who disagrees with him politically. Uh, if, if you... If, Again, I think he plays. I think he thinks that the the, the racial stuff plays yeah, up. He, he but I, I I will say this: like Donald Trump, mo most of the things that animate him is less 
flood or any kind of race-based theories and more pure his pure narcissism, right? Yeah. So he's a narcissist. Like that's, what, that, that's how I frame him. I look at him. That doesn't mean he's not a racist. Right. No, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> but but I, I think his narcissism is is a more yeah. powerful force yeah. than even yeah. his racism, yeah. right? That's why he, he that's why he's he he has no problem being having you know he, he's the he's the white guy with the black friends, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Don King. Yeah. Those are his boys. But those are the that's because those people flatter him, right? Yeah, those, he, he Kanye, like ass, and, you know, Kim Kardashian calls him up and tells him to get ASAP. Rocky. He's like he's he's fighting harder for ASAP Rocky than anything yeah. he's fought for. Like, <laughs> but you can't be a black friend that disagree with him. Yeah. yeah, but as soon as you disagree, it's over. So I I I think I do look. I I think he's racist. I think he he's running a racist campaign. But I think his racism isn't like it's not. It's, I'll agree that it's not the same as, say, like a Richard Spencer or a white nationalist. I think he plays that up because he thinks it's good politics. But I think his narcissism um, leads him down that path so much because black folks don't vote for him. So he's going to consider them enemies because they won't vote for him. But if you're – like if you will vote for him, right? If you're – what's Obama's brother who's like super Trump? <laughs> like – that dude get, gets White House invites. You know what I mean? Like, and so, it. I think. I think you could explain some of this by just like his narcissism. But I do think he's got sort of that animating, like old white boomer. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want black people in my my my, you know, rent, renting to them. But my thing, and like I said, but my thing is just you know, as like my that man Donald. here, yeah, as my man here is like, he says, because I, I hear a lot of conservatives say this like everybody just take everything Trump say and run with it but I'm like well not just Trump like it's becoming like everybody like any it's, um, and I'm specifically talking about the far left it, it, it takes you to say one thing that you don't agree with and you're going to be racist and I don't agree with our party and I'm saying our party so I mean Democrats <laughs> well, uh, next year I'm not going to be a Democrat trust me but <laughs> I don't I feel like that line that far left line that we keep pushing even when it works, like the week before Trump said that about Ilhan Omar, the week before that, AOC and Ilhan Omar were calling Nancy Pelosi racist. It's and Trump. Trump was stupid and jumped into it. Like, yeah. Well, because like he said, it's politically I, I, expedient for him to jump into I, it. I mean, he's he thinks it is. It is. It's, no, it, just, it was like it, it was so dumb. Like the. It was so like if he would have let that just play out. This is why the thing is he's also just an idiot. Like if he had just let that shit play out, the Democrats were going in a crazy civil war. Yeah, and he decided to jump in to stop firing at each other and turn their fire at him. And I'm like, what is this guy? Like if this guy wants to win, what is he doing? Like you just help make the party stronger. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like when I'm saying all of this stuff is putting an extreme light on Trump. That's what our party's pushing. That's what they want. But I almost think, so So on the flip side of that, you know, I almost feel like we are in a time of, like, overcorrection. Like, we are in a time where there's shit that people would have said certain things to me and I would let that shit ride. Now, I'm in a place, I'm like, I'm not letting nothing ride. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's literally like, like somebody would say some slick racist shit to me probably five years ago, I wouldn't say nothing. Now I gotta check all of that shit, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what's even happening in in Congress, right? I understand. That. You know what I'm saying? Like I think we're in a time where it's just like, yo, we don't let y'all get away with so much shit. It was okay with letting y'all like, cause a lot of times like we didn't want to say nothing just cause we didn't want to make the whole room comfortable. Like somebody says yeah. some racist shit, you just don't want to make the whole. So we gonna eat that shit. Now we just like be uncomfortable. 
You you know what I'm saying? Like we at work and you gonna say some wild racist shit to me, I'm gonna call you out. Like, why you say that to me? Why you ask me that? Why you didn't ask them? You know what I'm saying? So and I feel like even with I I didn't agree with AOC when they went to like, you know, she's racist. I didn't agree with them calling Nancy Pelosi racist. But I understand where it came from. I understand where that Yeah, I do. I understand where that feeling come from. Like, yo, you keep signaling that stuff. So, because I'm going to have to switch sides here for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Because, so I I think that within the Democrat Party, that label is such an effective tool that even if it's not true, there's incentive to use it. So, you start off saying, let's use this against Pelosi. Pelosi, she got... Okay, you got you guys the squad. Pelosi got she like this with the CBC, right? Right. And so CBC said, "Hold, hold up! Like you're trying to call like our girl Nancy racist." And so what did they have to do? What did they have to do? They had to double down and go after the CBC. They're talking. They yeah. tried. They basically called him Uncle Tom's. Right. And it's like, well, and so that and so and and. By the way, that would have played out in a much messier way. That Trump, had Trump. and what he did is, and so what you know, Trump is the his advisors. We've got reporting that says to make AOC the face of the, the Democrat Democratic Party, Party. Yeah. and and tell he, And what happened was when he trained that fire away from them, the CBC and Pelosi they took scalps, right? So once they quieted down and everybody refocused, trained AOC's top two advisors, Washington. Like one's going to go under a campaign and another's going to a pack. So that was the, and those that was the dude, her chief of staff, that was causing. He was the one who called Pelosi a racist. Yeah. Like then the CBC went after the um, went after the, uh, the 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 campaign arm of the Democrat group. Yeah, in the meantime, they Nancy caught those. And so Nancy goes to Nancy goes to Africa. Um, and 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 basically gives the green light to the CBC to take scalps like from all these progressives while they're out. Yeah, she was like Michael at church while like like <laughs> taking care of the family business, and they took scalps last week like nobody's business. And like, nobody knows. Quite. And nobody. Yeah, it's just like one of those things that you really you would only notice if you really pay attention to inside baseball, like you know politics. Like, but but I think that was I think that was a silly attack. For, uh, for, for AOC and the squad to go after Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi and then with that charge, the, the racism charge, when we got real racism that we that we don't have to have a debate about what does it mean to be racist, right, like right. With, on, on Trump's side. Uh, yeah, like, I agree with you there. But I'm saying that's the play now. I, I guarantee you, every Democratic candidate who isn't Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Is going to be racist or bigot by January, just because that's that's not the far left. The far left candidates are Barry and Warren. Everybody else is going to get. No, but, but, but get I hit. think I think some things need to be checked. Like you, Joe Biden, you bragging about being a segregationist. We need to check it out because now everybody is on pins and needles because now we see what a racist look like in office. So, Let's take another context. Too. No, Joe Biden not. wasn't bragging about being a segregationist. No, no, not being a segregationist. He was bragging about being cool with segregation. Yeah, you know, like he was being cool. Like I watched and, it. And, I watched the whole thing. Like so, it wasn't taken out of context because I kind of was like, first of all, and then just go to the you know him being like an old man and shit too. I just like that just was not a good look to say. 
at that moment. Like that's yeah. just not it's something not, you need to say. Time. Yeah. Also, when I heard him say, I'm sorry. Imagine, I heard him say that he had to deal with these people at work. Yeah. But he, he also said he had to work was. with them. He said he yeah. worked, but he also said he they were great men. Mm. I didn't hear that part. See? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then then his position on busing. So I think like all that need just needs to be clarified. I don't think it's an issue bringing it up, but. It need to be clarified because right now everybody's like, "Shit, we folks are a little paranoid now because they see what's in what's in the White House." Yeah. Like Steve Bannon should have never had a job in the White House. With the all shit, look up Steve Bannon all the way to the point to Trump. There's no way somebody like that should have been in the White House. I am. I'm looking at I've heard his name before, but I wasn't like super into the Trump campaign or anything. He was like the puppet master, yeah. and he's he's like. He has no qualms about calling himself a nationalist. Like, mm-hmm. none. Yeah. They usually don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it wasn't like a hidden thing, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a little bit of a contrarian view, at least sort of with, you know, within his company on the Biden thing. I, you know, I think he probably misspoke and he probably didn't want to be so uh, gleeful about it. But, you know, everybody had to work and yeah. with the segregations back then just to pass simple budgets or any laws. And so. Um, you know, John Lewis came to his defense on it and said, shit, I work with, you know, I had to work yeah. with him too. Like, yeah. you know, that's how you... And that's what I said. Like, I, and again, I don't think it was an issue that he said he worked on. I think, it, like you said, how gleeful he was and how he yeah. was like, and some of them were great men. I'm like... You feel like he was too happy about saying that? Not too happy. It was almost like playing both sides to the middle. Like, they segregationist, but he was a great man. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost... I think, I think Biden's going to be a... a He's gonna. He. I mean, he's old, right? Like he's gonna be. Uh, uh, he's gonna make a lot of just gaffes. Yeah. We just gotta be. We just gotta be prepared. Well, for I it. mean, I mean, when you've been part of the Senate since nineteen seventy six, seventy eight, you gonna have a record to yeah. bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you know, and that's the thing, because of course, like I don't want the Democrats, which what AOC was trying to start, but I'm talking about in the primaries more. I don't want the Democrats to cannibalize each other to the point where. The eventual candidate is a turnoff to everyone. I think they want to cannibalize. Or I think the progressive side wants to cannibalize. Yeah, the progressive, like the, the progressive side wants to, and they clear about that. Like yeah. they not, they not pretending. Like the progressive side Trump is like to win the next election. No, they don't want Trump to win the next. Yeah. Election. They just no, they don't. They don't want to win. They just don't. They just want the Democrats to be more progressive than moderate. I'm gonna tell you. What, I don't know. They want I, Joe they, Biden I don't to win think they want him to win, but I think that they don't think. I think that I think. Well, I guess it depends on what you talk about. So. Again, we've had this conversation. I think you've got the the squad, which are they're young and inexperienced, and they don't realize how much yeah. they don't realize how Washington works and how much damage uh-huh. they do. Mm-hmm. It's a generational which, thing. Which 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 people voted against when Trump shut down the government? Who voted against reopening it? There was like five hardcore Trump people and the squad, mm-hmm. right? Because they were like, we're not reopening the government until ICE is defunded. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Yeah. Like, they you know what I mean? Like, we, they try like, to pass the border I think with them is, like, like you said, I, I think there's a huge generation issue between them and yeah. Pelosi. But I think what happened is they they had instant success in the primary. So because of that, they feel like, okay, we didn't figure this out. And now, it's like the game really started to play. And Pelosi's like, look, I know how, like, y'all want to impeach me, but check this out. We impeach him in the House. He doesn't get convicted in the, in the he, he doesn't get convicted in the Senate. He gets to come out and say, I won. Yeah. 
bad move. Yeah. So, 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 so. Pelosi, he actually gets to run on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and get to run up. So, Pelosi's like, yeah, I think in one or two steps, I'm thinking five and six. So, I think that's the issue with them, and they need to kind of dial it back to a certain extent. Because, you know, people like to fight and how they are, but I think they need to also let. They, they, they I think that's probably what a lot of this recent trip with uh, Nancy Pelosi and Ilhan Omar probably was about too. Like, look, we want to work with y'all, but y'all got to figure out how this shit goes. She's like, got. They they should accept the mentorship. I mean, Pelosi. I know she's. I know the the internet progressive, you know, wing of the party doesn't like her because they think she's just like this bland. But when you go look at this woman's history, she is so effective. She is gangster, man. She has emasculated Trump at every, and her policy, look, her and I would never sort of find a lot of common ground on policy, right? She, she, look, she's progressive. People don't want to, people say she's not progressive, but if she was just voting down the line, like this woman would be voting for all of those progressive parties. She's fought for them her whole life. But she's the leader of the party now, too. So she can't show favoritism. She's got to balance the blue dogs, right? She's got to balance the CBC. She's got to balance the progressives. And so she has done that so effectively in her time as speaker. I mean, the, the, I, the anecdote I use that's so crazy is the hardest piece of legislation to get through that, that, that people have had to get through over the last, like, say, 20 years was the Affordable Care Act. So Obama's signature legislation, and it was wildly unpopular when they were passing it. That shit was polling at like 30%. It was like not even – it was barely 50 within Democrats. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted that bill at the time because it was, it was just too much of a change. And Obama said, this is it. This is my signature legislation. We need to pass it through no matter how unpopular it is. And Pelosi's like, I got you, right? And in the Senate – you know, uh, Harry Reid was like, we're going to get close. Pelosi delivered the bill that Obama wanted. She delivered – all these people talking about like Medicare for all, Pelosi delivered – You know, the original ACA bill had the public option where you could buy into Medicare, right? Pelosi delivered the bill with the public option attached. She got everybody in line. She got all the blue dogs, the conservatives. She delivered that bill as Obama wanted it. The Senate is where it got held up. And Harry Reid couldn't – and we had 60 senators. We had just a little bit. We were going to pass a straight party line like with the Republicans, like you know, all voting no, Democrats all voting yes. And, um, and Harry couldn't get, the, get it over the line with the public option because Joe Lieberman. Uh-huh. He, that, Joe Lieberman's like, I'm, I can't vote for the you – know, he was too much of a centrist. He didn't want to put a public option in there. And so when the Senate passed – it didn't have the public option. And so um, the criticism of Pelosi is like crazy to me. Like, look, if Democrat, like if the progressive, the internet progressive wing wants to like try to throw her out, like that's shit, that's their own grave, right? You like, know, I, I, I wasn't a fan of hers for a minute because I just thought, I just thought they really, they came off weak a lot when, when it came to time to stand up to Republicans. But as, I've kind of been watching her, and, and she, she, she had kind of undressed Trump right in front of her, and he didn't even catch that shit. And I'm like, she like really, yeah. like, 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 like she really just like destroyed you, and he up there like the, the shutdown was crazy. He got nothing, <laughs> nothing, not one thing, and I'm like, yo, 
like they're gonna cave. They're gonna give him something. They're gonna do they a deal. They out. get he got nothing. He shut the government down for the longest government shutdown in American history, and he got days. nothing out of it. Not one thing. Like she and yeah. she held it, and you know there were Democrats in some of those swing districts who were sweating. Yeah, like I gotta break rank. We gotta get people back working. Like yeah. this is, I'm struggling here. And Pelosi's like, hold ranks, hold the line, hold the line. I got you. We'll make up for it in some other legislation somewhere else. She knows how to deal. And so, look, like if, think- if Democrats eventually overthrow her, I mean she's getting old. You know, some point yeah, I don't she, you know, she's but seventy three. Yeah. I mean, you got you got old ass Feinstein up there at eighty five though. Yeah, <laughs> she's been there since I was in first grade. Yeah, I remember like, but her, her By the way, you know what's crazy about our, our pod? Like how we, we got to get more aggressive about getting these old people out of politics because <laughs> wherever you fell at, you wherever you fell on that whole Kavanaugh thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it, it was a very polarizing thing because it wasn't something that was so obvious for for the Republicans and that that you know that they should be capitulating and the Democrats felt very strongly about it. Whatever you felt about that Kavanaugh thing, the 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 chairman that the the chair of the Judicial Committee in the Senate was eighty five year old Grassley, and the ranking member from the Democrat side was eighty five year old Feinstein. You had two 85-year-olds trying out with each other on this mess. That's why it was such a shit show. Yeah. And they could have, they should have been wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. They should have been, they should, have, they could have, like Feinstein could have squashed that nomination months before. She sat on that information. She, get, it was just like crazy. Yeah. I'm like, this is just people who aren't. They've lost it. They've lost that step, mm. right? Like, and so it, it, and and it ended up, you know, spilling out in a in a messy way, but. We we got to get more aggressive about telling Age people, yeah, yeah, like telling people like you're just too old. On that, I, I like Nancy too because she showed up to the White House. This is I'm talking about the government shutdown again. She showed up to the White House and basically threatened Donald Trump by saying, "Put your bill, <laughs> put your bill on the table right now." And that's how the uh, <laughs> shutdown started. She basically said, "Put it on the table." He was like, "I'll oh, shut the government down." She was like, "Do it." <laughs> <laughs> That's when I started liking Nancy. I was like, that's well, you know what? Because I used to feel like she was a a, a super, uh, what do you call it? Uh, just a, a a Democrat who was like of the old guard and all that. But you know, after me and Travis had a conversation about it online, and he was like, yo, she did this, she did that, and he was like, a lot of stuff she did behind the scenes, she don't get credit for it. People just don't know that she did it. So it seems like she's your average. Democrat who's always reaching across the party lines, and he like, but she's she's not that. Yeah. And I was like, damn, it had it made me rethink my position on her. And then after that, like Quincy said, in regards to Trump, I'm watching her and watching how she's really like a lot of the reason that he's unpopular now is because of shit that she's done. That the reason why that primary well was so huge had a lot to do with her. Yo, let's she talk about it. Let's talk about another Nancy Pelosi, that tax cut. Right, the tax bill when it was first introduced was really bad. As they workshopped it, it got better. It still wasn't, I, and I, I'm I'm not a fan of high taxes, but my I, like I said when I talk about my libertarianism, I go small to big. I'm a favor of cutting taxes from the bottom up, not right. the top down. Right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind if we cut. I wouldn't mind if anybody making under fifty thousand dollars a year paid zero taxes. Right, like I like just so 
cut taxes from the bottom up rather than top down. The bill was was much more top heavy than any tax cut bill we've had in a long time. I mean, the Bush tax cuts were actually they were they were weighted towards the rich, but they they actually gave everybody something. Yeah. Right. And this tax bill gave most people something, but a lot of people got a, a very small. But almost nobody saw a tax increase. There was only like 5% of filers that saw a small tax increase. New York Times did some polling on the issue. Like 40% of people swear they saw a tax increase from the Trump's bill. And I'm like, that's crazy. And then like another like 20 or 30% think they got no cut at all. And that's just, the, the numbers just aren't true. Right. It's, just, it's just factually not true. The, the New York Times got the data. And so I'm like, that's pure messaging. Like yeah. Pelosi and her messaging basically <laughs> distorted reality to everybody who swears they got a tax increase and nobody got a tax increase. <laughs> like people like don't even believe their own tax returns. Oh, Trump increased my taxes. Like, no, nah, I probably didn't. But damn that messaging. Like they ran yeah. that. And so that's, that's just another example of like, she's like, here's our Stay focused, stay disciplined. I do feel like the Democrats are finally getting back. Because, you know, I've been yelling about messaging the last two years. I'm like, yo, y'all yeah, messaging has been horrible. Like, like for example, their messaging on the border, I think it's still bad now, too. The messaging on the border is horrible. Because once I heard Michael Bennett go the fuck off on Ted Cruz. And I was going to ask you about that. I think that's why the government reopened. Yeah, but when he went <laughs> off about that, and he, it wasn't him going off that got me. It was him. Telling what the Democratic border uh, bill was, it was way better than any Republican. In 2016, we voted for 46 billion dollars, billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, but I'm like, why? Is it, yeah, but I'm like, why isn't this the messaging? He, was, he went off. Why isn't this the messaging when they say Democrats want open borders? Did you see dude in the background? <laughs> yeah, like when they say Democrats want open borders, you should be pushing that line that Michael Bennett pushing. Travis has said though, you got a lot of Democrats who plan more to the activists though than to the actual and, Democratic and the, base. And yes. rank and file Dems, like so. The the thing about and the thing about you said about how the party has moved. Mm-hmm. So on some issues, you're you're actually very right. So the, if you go look at there's a there's a chart I've posted before. I'm, I have to find it. But if you go look at like views on immigration over the last like 20 years, the Republicans are kind of basically right where they are 20 years ago. Half the Republicans are very favorable to immigration, half are very anti-immigration. So you have the Paul Ryan types who are like super pro-immigration, right? Because it's, it helps business, right? Yeah. So and then you have the cultural conservatives who are like, no, 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 we don't want brown people here, right? So, um, sorry, that's a crude way to say it. Maybe it was more like, you no, know, but, no, but, that's but, that's <laughs> <laughs> but like, okay, so, but Republicans haven't really moved off of that in about 50-50. Democrats went from being about 50-50 as well to being pro-immigration, anti-immigration, to – and this is the rank and file, not the, the, not the policymakers. They've gone to something like 80 percent pro-immigration. Yeah. And so I think when you start to see like border plans like what Liz Warren has put out there, she knows it's not practical because what her plan – basically amounts – she wants to completely decriminalize border crossing. That basically amounts to, to open, open borders. borders. Like yeah. if you can't detain anybody for crossing illegally because it's not illegal, it's just yeah. decriminalized, that's, that's open borders. And so 
you know, it's very different. So you, so, and I think that's a that's a source of difference, right? So yeah. you can talk about like Michael Bennett saying, "Hey, no, we were down with doing a bunch of border walls, but we needed a pathway to citizenship for DACA. We needed this. This was going to be comprehensive immigration, and we were both going to give up stuff." I don't know that Democrats can come to the table with a bill like that, right? Or they can't talk about it in primary season, at least. Got you, right? Not in public at all. Because it'll be yeah. unpopular in primary. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Hey, man. Damn. I can do this all night. <laughs> hey, I really want to thank y'all for coming. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, man. Travis, always good. I'm glad I finally got you down here. You explained a whole lot of things. I think a lot of people wanted to know. Um, and I, I'm glad we got to do a deep dive into some political shit because it's been a while that we were able to dive into shit that wasn't all Trump-based. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad we got to go into real conservatism, real libertarian. You know, I, I'm glad we got to dive into all those things, man. I definitely want to have you guys back sometime, man. Like, anytime. Like, I, I, yeah, did, I definitely want to have I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Maybe when, when it really starts to narrow down yeah. candidates, we can... Come back and have another show, yeah. September? Yeah, around September, have you guys come back, like, late September. I think so, it's going to be a while before I narrow down... Well, only, what, 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 as far as they say what, now, what, the, first, the, the, the first caucus is what January. Uh, it's usually late January. Yeah, I think that's it. Used to be in early February, but they've been they've been creeping up because I think it's trying to get an earlier jump. Well, some some other states were trying to move earlier because they didn't want to be as irrelevant. Like they didn't want to be, and so Iowa then moved up. And basically, Iowa came out and said, "We don't care. We don't care when other states want to move forward." We will always be first. We will move to the. They basically were like, "We'll move to the day after the previous election." Like, yeah. if y'all y'all keep trying to creep up, we, <laughs> we will always be first shit. because that's what we're known for. And yeah. so, don't try to don't try to jump ahead of us. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so. I mean, it might be before then, but shit. I, like I said, I just really want to have you guys back. I appreciate your point of view. I appreciate our, all of our different points of view and, and actually been able to have a civil conversation about it, even yeah. the things that we disagree about and mm-hmm. push back on each other. Man, I love this. Uncouf Radio, I thank everybody. Um, next Wednesday, we will be live from the Financial Foundation Mixer where we'll have lenders, real estate people, um, people to teach um, simple investments and credit fixers so we can try to start building this generational wealth and see what we can do to get people into entrepreneurship or even just taking the money you have from work and investing it in something and learning how to how to do these stocks so please join us at the sugar shack um next wednesday 7 to 10 p.m uncouth radio you can check it it's going to be on my page i'm going to put it in all the groups everywhere that you can find me you're going to see it. it's going to be on my instagram so just follow it check it share it and if y'all want it's free like these are people who usually run seminars and it costs money i was able to get them to come do a community event for the free. So I really want y'all to come and try to take advantage of this information in a non-intimidating atmosphere because I know a lot of people are scared to go into these places and ask the questions that, you know, people like, I don't want to feel stupid. Like, nah, we want you to come and ask every single question that you need to ask to try to get you to where you need to go. So join us next week live from the Financial Mixer at the Sugar Shack and I'll put all the information um, on my page. Uncle Radio, want to thank Travis Page again. want to thank J- um, Jamel Williams again and We out of here.